called Jesse, aka the Bizzle. Oh, the Bizzle. Thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle. Thank you, the Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, Bizzlecast listeners, welcome back to another Star Wars commentary with my boy Simi Klimo. Tonight, we are tackling the impossible 1977 Star Wars, aka Episode 4, A New Hope. I can't believe we're here after a great Rogue One commentary. Thank you, everyone out there. It's my most downloaded podcast in months and really getting a lot of traction. So the man I have to thank most for that is the man to my right, except he's 200 miles away, Simmy. Hey, man. How you doing? I'm really excited about this. Thanks for having me on. This is going to be a lot of fun. I had a uh, drunken epiphany the other night that we... Always the best kind. Well, we were just talking about how much everyone was really liking and we were getting downloads and everything was happening. And it just dawned on me. I'm like, what uh, What do we do next? What do we do next? What do we do next? And it was just logical. You know, like that's it just it, it feeds into it. So artistically anyways, you know, why don't we tackle the true juggernaut of Star Wars A New Hope? Absolutely, man. And uh, guys, just like last time, we are going to do about a five-minute intro, and then we'll take you into the countdown. Now, there are a million versions of A New Hope out there. This is definitely not the original. It is one of the George Lucas fucked with versions. I don't know exactly. So what I am going to try and do, and I'll talk more about this later, is at key points in the movie, Simi, I'm literally going to say, oh, here's where that terrible Jabba the Hutt scene is or whatever, just so people have a reference of where we are and hopefully can keep up. But people know this movie by heart. And so I don't think I think a lot of people are going to be listening to this, even if they're not watching it. But I want to do a quick background, Simi. So do you remember the very first podcast we did? was about Ahsoka and the Clone Wars. But we started by talking about how you got into Star Wars and your favorite characters and stuff like that. And um, you said your favorite movie was still Return of the Jedi, which is still my favorite movie. God bless you. Um, <laughs> and um, you said, you know, you got into it around five or six years old and we were born in the same year. We basically had the same experience there, um, and all of that stuff. But you also have said that you are a Han Solo guy. We have the movie coming up that may come up in conversation. Um, and we talked about maybe honing in on Han's character in this movie. Um, but you also talked about in our recent Rogue One podcast, um, about, you know, how it leads so well into A New Hope. I'm wondering if that factored into your suggestion um, of, of why we should do this as, as a follow-up. Go ahead. Yeah, it was just such a natural selection of what should happen next. Like, what do we do? Well, we, it logically, you know, Rogue One goes into A New Hope. And then uh, it's our first introduction to, uh, to the scoundrel, you know? So uh, it, it's really a fun uh, way to watch all the different relationships that uh, are going to eventually happen, but see where he he came from in Solo. That's going to be coming out in just uh, just about two weeks, and uh, I think I think it was a really good uh, way to link everything together. Uh, we'll be able to talk about what we like about it, what we don't like about it, and really dig into the characters, the relationships. Uh, you know, our first real uh, getting into the Force and how they try to explain it which are actually some of the best explanations when they mm. uh in the most simplest form that obi-wan gives so uh i'm really excited to you know to get into one of my uh one of one of my favorites and, you know return of the jedi is still up there rogue one is you know leaning in 
you know, in the race. But, um, you know, this is still something I watch over and over again and, you know, find something new every time. So here's what's great about if you're a fan in, in Jedi's your favorite of the original trilogy is Return of the Jedi, we can say is our personal favorite, but we can still say Empire from an artistic standpoint is like the best but the original new hope which we're about to do is the most classic and greatest genre movie of all time so we can really have our cake and eat it two three times over if that makes sense you know that's what we're here to do we're here to get a sugar high uh mm. and uh i'd also like to thank founders yes uh, for uh <laughs> for the uh for sponsoring this can i tell and, you something can i tell yes. you something you want to know what i'm drinking right now what do you have bell's too hearted Ooh, we're, we'd like to thank Michigan, my yes. home state, for all the wonderful beers uh, that they're able to It was a total to coincidence, distribute. by the way. Simi's from uh, Michigan. Total coincidence. And, um, you know, making us say wonderful things and think wonderful thoughts for uh, thousands of years. Beer. Absolutely. Thank you. But, hey, yeah. if uh, Founders or Bells wants to at some point pick up one of these podcasts and become, you know, a sponsor, we're yeah. all ears. We're all ears. I will drink just Belt or just Founders. I mean, yeah, you know, we'll talk. We'll talk. Yep. You can sponsor yep. the show. We'll yep. talk future. Yep. Um, Bells in particular and Founders sell extremely well in Philadelphia. You see them, the, like the Founders all day IPA people eat that shit up. Um, people from Philadelphia like their alcohol. Yeah, we like, look, we like IPAs here, man. So if you make good IPAs, like we are all over it. We will um, celebrate you. We will celebrate you. Um, but uh, really quick, man. So, uh, guys, we're going we're gonna to get you in in a minute. But really quick, Simi and I did chat beforehand. Um, and we talked about bringing in the, the direct, quote-unquote, prequels to this movie, which is Rogue One. And, of course, the Han Solo movie, which is coming up. We will be talking about sort of some of the lore from the prequels, but more as like just like, you know, them being part of the Star Wars legacy. But we really want to talk about um, episode seven in terms of Han and Leia, and then episode eight in terms of Leia and Luke, I think are going to be uh, big parts of the conversation. Obviously, Yoda doesn't happen in this movie. Maybe we'll do Empire Strikes Back uh, at some point. Um, but man, I have to say, when I listened to the original podcast we did, which was like over six months ago, I asked you uh, what your favorite of the new movies was. And this was before Last Jedi came out. So it was between Rogue One and uh, Episode 7. And you said it was probably Episode 7 by a hair, but give me six months and it might be Rogue One. And lo and behold, we did the Rogue One commentary. And like it was like a self-fulfilling prophecy for yourself. It was amazing. Well, you know, I, I really, uh, I wanted, what, what keeps me from not watching Rogue One as much as I watch some of the other movies is because of how dark it is. And, you know, I have a, another job. This isn't what I do full time. I know that might baffle some of our listeners. But, uh, so, you know, I don't like watching the end of the world before I go to bed all the time. But other than that, you know, I kind of want to watch that movie all the time. So, given the chance to continue to keep watching it during the day um, and not right before I go to bed so I don't have night terrors, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, I've had the opportunity to appreciate a lot of the acting that we talk about, you know, your, your, your man crushes and your, your clear love affairs with, with uh, the two lead bulls. And uh, I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> They're great leaders. Uh, great leaders. And have tw- 20 sexy looks in a single movie. <sighs> Anyway, but so, 
you know, it, it's just uh, an incredible piece of art, and I think yeah. it's this great standalone. Yeah. Um, and you know, I encourage people to watch it and then lead into uh, a new hope because yeah. you know the way uh, they artistically uh, uh, made Vader and the way they made it, so you could just continue watching as if you could just make yeah. one movie with you know all five hours. I, I would like to be clear because I didn't set that up right, and I listened to this closely to make sure it's what you said, which was, you said you weren't sure between episode seven and episode eight, but when I asked you your favorite movie, you said Return of the Jedi, and then you said, ask me in six months, it might be Rogue One, as if it's your overall favorite. And Simi, I gotta say, it's blasphemy for me personally to say Rogue One is my favorite Star Wars movie ever, but in terms of, let's be honest, we know all these movies by heart. And I was talking to my mom and dad about it. I don't know if you've talked to your parents. They waited in line for hours and went in like a drive-through movie screen, drive-in movie screen in 77. And like, they remember that experience so clearly of seeing the original Star Wars and being blown away. And I think the thing for me about Rogue One is seeing that for the first time and it blowing my mind was as close to seeing, and this will lead into our, our commentary guys, seeing Rogue One for the first time in the theater was as close to experiencing that 1977 experience as I will ever get. And for that alone, I treasure it. No, agree. Uh, I, I absolutely uh, have been so excited for the franchise to create all these new movies and, um, you know, at the end of the day, we're going to have to say which ones are favorites and which one are, aren't. We don't really have to, is the thing, but yeah. yeah. Otherwise, what are we doing here? We're, we're, we're comparing at some level, we, you know, it's content. It's, it's what, you know, otherwise we're just going to say they're both, you know, masterful pieces of work and, you know, we're just going to, you know, give them both hand jobs. But, you know, they're, they're all great movies and I'd watch them over and over and over and again. But at the end, I, I think so far Rogue One has really set itself aside. Um, but it doesn't mean that I'm so not excited for all these all these. No, of course. Happening, you know. No, I think I, and I think the comparison is so. Episode seven was like seeing you know. It, episode seven was in the theater was like seeing Star Wars for the first time because it had been so long. We had a movie of that quality with the original cast, but it's sort of like Episode seven was sort of like American Graffiti, where everyone got a taste of George Lucas. Mm. By the way, quick film facts. It'll lead us into this. American Graffiti in 73 made $120 million. Do you know how much money that is today? It's a lot of cheese fries. That's $650 million domestically, my friends. If George Lucas released American Graffiti, his first movie, which was an independent self-filmed movie today, it would be tied with Black Panther. So, And that was a movie about drag racing in the 70s. Um, and is influencing Han Solo. And then when people saw the Star Wars in 1977, it was like, we hear this George Lucas guy is great. We might have seen American Graffiti, but holy shit, our mind is blown. So, you know, there's always a lead up to things. So, all right. Well, speaking of lead ups, let's lead into the movie. Like I said, guys, it, it's going to be hard to have the same thing going. I, you know, I think what I have is sort of the main sort of extended cut of Star Wars. And I gave Simi the same file. It is a digital file. It immediately leads into the 20th century Fox fanfare, which we all love and miss and hopefully we'll come back. Um, and so it should line up pretty good if you have sort of any of the standard releases of episode four. Like I said, I'll try and 
and keep you apprised every so often to make sure you're in the same place. But uh, you've probably seen this movie a lot, and so you won't have any trouble following along. Again, get some subtitles going, maybe a little ambient sound. I'm going to count you three to two to one. When I say go, you hit play. And uh, send me any last words uh, to the Bizzlecast audience before we get this started. This is the podcast you're looking for. (laughs) Let's make this happen. I am excited. Awesome. Which is the very first thing you said on the very first podcast. So God bless you. <laughs> um, and it's been a great ride, buddy. I'm so glad we've, we've done three great podcasts. This is our fourth. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm cheersing, lechaiming you from a distance here for many more. Cheers. Cheers. All right, guys. So cue up your digital files or DVDs or whatever the fuck you got. And we're going to count down into a Star Wars The New Hope. And we're not going to be doing a normal play-by-play. I think you guys are going to be excited and impressed by this. As I mentioned to Simi, I did uh, commentaries for all the original movies leading up to uh, Force Awakens. I never released any of them because I, I, I... at the time, I didn't realize it, Simi, but I realized now I needed a wingman for these movies, and I finally have one. So God bless you. God bless all you listeners out there. Thank you for support. Get your qual- your files ready, and here comes the countdown to Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope in 3, 2, 1, go. How's your thing, okay? Yeah, I'm at six, seven, eight. Where are you at? Sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. Okay, we're good. Long time ago, Galaxy Far Far Away. Yeah. Woohoo! Okay, we'll try not to do all the music. I know the soundtrack by heart. Sammy, go ahead. It is incredible how much it holds up. Like, I just, every, I'm going to say that a lot, and I hate to keep no, please. ragging on it, but if this movie, I think it'd be hard, the, the, the content, uh, like you were just saying, it's a 70s drag racing movie, would be, maybe be great, but, you know, I don't know if that's necessarily the right time frame for this. I feel like, a good sci-fi movie that can hold up, you know, 40 years later. Yeah. I mean, how can you not like it? Well, let's be honest. The fact that Han Solo and Rogue One are both made to look like 70s mus- movies, not an accident. And that's what's cool. Like, that's what's cool about them. And not to mention, most girls dress like Han like- Solo nowadays with their vests and their boots and their black pants. I mean... Well, that's also the Jyn Erso look. Well, she stole it from Han. You know, maybe it was just, you know, that's what was trending then. No, no, that was very intentional. That's just what looked cool. By the way, I've mentioned this before. Every one of the crawls in the movie starts with three paragraphs and four dots at the end. That's always the standard. And I love how it's not in Rogue One to separate it. And as I've said, man, I don't know how 1977 they did this entire effect, but especially the way it fades into the stars. Okay, man, here it comes. This shot coming up hooked every single fucking person of all ages when they saw it everyone just pan down and by the way we just did rogue one this is about 15 minutes after rogue one ended Woo-hoo! and rogue one did a great job uh to really make these ships look i don't want to say better but just as good only crisper i guess but like you know you know they were able to make it a little bit better oh, yeah. but still 
be true to this. And that's why I think it's so cool how how it just feeds into it. So yeah, I mean, even the fact that Vader's Star Destroyer looks different from the others a little bit, and they imitated it. Here we go. So Leia just got the chip like ten minutes ago. Here are the rebels who gave her the chip. They're running. Oh man! It also reminds me of uh, in Last Jedi when the Corvette is being chased uh, uh, it, throughout that whole movie. You know, that scene also looks a lot like this. You know, you know what's interesting? I literally didn't think till now, Simi, is that I've commented before that. Star Wars New Hope is like a standalone and then Empire. I think we talked about this in Return of the Jedi are like a two-parter. But mm-hmm. now with Rogue One, we have a two-parter with Rogue One and a New Hope and then another two-parter with Empire and Jedi, right? You're not wrong. I mean, it is a two-parter. I, I think the reason why I keep calling it a standalone is because everybody dies. I mean, you know what I mean? Like how like none of your characters... But not this beautiful woman. Right, right, right. Okay, all right. Simi, you know how we absolutely love Princess Leia CGI at the end of Rogue One, but some people complain. I want everyone to look at Princess Leia in these early scenes and see that this is what she looked like. She looked like a computer-generated image when she was 19 in 1977. That's how beautiful and flawless she looked. With a, 19, with a camera made also in 1977. But you'll see her skin. It's like ivory, flawless skin. I mean, it's unbelievable. She was the sex. If Luke was the and Han were the various icon for male for masculinity in, in this time, Carrie Fisher was undoubtedly the image for both sexiness but also female empowerment. Maybe you know this, but do um, did the makeup? I mean, I know a lot of the costume uh, were, were critically acclaimed, but did the makeup designers for this movie get uh, enough homage? Yes, this movie won a ton of uh, Oscars, including. Um, Alec Guinness. That's what I thought. Who famously was not happy to do this movie, but appreciated it later, I think. Him and Harrison Ford all bitter. Oh, boy. You know what, Matt? We were wrong. This actually looks pretty much like the Rogue One to Vader. There's not a lot of changes. There really isn't. His suit looks a little um, more mobile in the new one, but other than that... Well, that's because he had to slaughter a bunch of people. Okay, so here's where it starts looking 70s right here, the lighting. And all the beeping little lights. Here she is. Here she is. Ladies and gentlemen, the reason, other than my own mother, who I love dearly and is a hero for me, between my mom and Princess Leia, I never grew up thinking women couldn't be as good or better than men, honestly. It's a, such a true statement, especially for this uh, day and age. Um, yeah, I feel like this proved us, especially like what she does right here. Like she went out shooting. You know what I mean? Like she's she's a leader. She's a hero. She's a fighter. You know, mm-hmm. and she's a woman, and that's okay. And like you know, it's amazing that we're still having these conversations about battle of the sexes. Uh, you know from the, the progression of the 70s and the women's movement there, and then still, you know, it's the Me Too movement now. You know, it's just incredible. It's incredible that people are still crazy like that. Anyway, we digress into politics. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I mean, all, all those annoying Jin Erso gifts that I send to you and everyone, I send those to my mom as well with Leia gifts. And she, <laughs> loves, she loves them. She loves Ray and Jin and Leia. She gets it as a 65-year-old woman. She totally... Oh, my God. Look at her. Oh, God damn it. 
There's one. Yeah, you don't know what you're getting into, biatch. That was actually a little convenient for Leia to get hit that easy. I think she was kind of trapped at that point. Yeah. She's just trying to buy time for these two idiots. Right. Um, So Jedi Geek Girl, who's another one of my main co-contributors, talks about how as much as we love C-3PO, you know, and he's in all the movies, in episode four in particular, he's just a worthless asshole. (laughs) You know what I think is always interesting? I always... uh they made it seem like all droids look like that. You know what I mean? And like, uh, Anakin built him. So, yeah, I don't know. Like they had another one that looked exactly like him. And it was just, it was just interesting. Like my imagination watching this young, when I was younger, does everybody have a droid? <laughs> they don't shoot the life pod. Cause they don't detect life forms. Like you're a star destroyer. Just shoot it anyways. I just want to point out that there are plot holes, guys, in these original movies that you guys worship and think are perfect. Sorry, there's a lot of plot holes. Maybe they were conserving energy. This is this is. But uh, I'm saying it doesn't matter. We can love them <laughs> just as much. It doesn't yeah. matter about the stupid plot holes. Oh, here it is. You want a mercy mission? This is a great line. So if you watch Star Wars Rebels, we know that she gets very radicalized around age 14 or 15, also in the books. Um, you know, her dad is involved, obviously, but she has to sort of come to it as a teenager. By the time we see her here as age 17, 18, 19 or whatever, she's just saw Scarif, man. She just saw Jin Erso and all those people in space and on the ground die at Scarif. Like it informs her, her attitude so much here. I think that guy looks petrified, just petrified of him. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean all, all the all the Empire First Order jokes in the new movies com- come completely from the originals. They're all just so scared of him. This guy has a little bit more confidence. Yeah. I do think my favorite though is in Episode Seven when the guy goes into Kylo's room and takes off his hat and has to report that Ray, the droid, and Finn all escaped, and Ray and Kylo just starts destroying everything with his lightsaber, and then he just stops and he goes, "Anything else?" And then the guy thinks it's over and he goes, "There was a girl," and then he force chokes the guy like straight to him when he hears that there. That was great. I love his temper tantrums. I always I love that part where those stormtroopers like back up and start walking away. That was like the best comic relief. Only Kylo <laughs> Ren can make emo cool and sexy. Oh, don't get me started again on how I don't know how people think he's sexy. Like I find him despicable. Like that's why he's a great character. I know. I know, people- but you know, you know what I mean. Like he makes emo more than tolerable. Unlike right. Anakin Skywalker. Well, he makes emo more like, you know, temper tantrum, like, like babyish, you know? Well, I just think, like, as much as I love the Clone Wars Anakin, and I think that was the right corrective, it doesn't feel like the same character as Hayden Christensen, whereas Kylo Ren feels like the, you know, Kylo Ren feels like Anakin 6.0, right? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, he's everything Anakin isn't. I mean, he's a better villain. That, that's the that's the main thing. And as yeah. you pointed out, K two SO is everything C three PO isn't. It's true. I mean, it's very true. Like, I do love C three PO in this. You know, I'm, again, nostalgia is a lot of everything. But you know, like his yeah. personality is is sass. You know, and it's uh, 
versus like like a stickler for the rules. You know, like he's a sassafras. Mm-hmm. It's funnier. Like <laughs> like he's not as annoying. In Star Wars Rebels, before C-3PO and R2-D2 become the property of Bail Organa, I guess they're the property, they're on a secret mission, but C-3PO at one point seems like he's going to sell them out to preserve himself. So even though K-2SO is a reprogrammed droid, there's numerous moments in all of the movies where C-3PO seems to ready to sell out the good guys for self-preservation. It's hard to know when it's just a feint or not. Oh, uh, look at no, this, a dinosaur. Right. Simi, sorry. When I was a kid and I'm watching this and I'm seeing lasers and spaceships and now I see a dinosaur bones, I'm like, I'm losing my mind. A long time ago in a galaxy mm. far, far away. Yeah. So apparently dinosaurs were extinct there as well. <laughs> at least that one was. They never had Chris Pratt ch- training t- velociraptors. Sorry, that was a low blow. I love you, Chris Pratt. <laughs> I, lo- I love you, Chris Pratt. That was a low blow. Can I can I say something? I like of fat course. Chris Pratt. Not that, that he's fat, but I mean, I, I don't need him to have a six pack. I like every Chris Pratt. Well, I just he, I feel like he was starving himself before, and it was sad. And like, yeah, he looked he looked great. And great. he was a jock in high school, like, actually. He but actually like he put on weight. He no no dude. I I've heard about this. He put on weight at the uh, when he was trying to get into Hollywood because he was hilarious, but he was too good looking. He put on weight at the advisement of his agent because chubby guys, even if you're good looking, are funnier than than. That's why Zac Efron doesn't succeed because he is Zac Efron is actually funny, but he's too cut and good looking. It doesn't come off as funny. Chris Pratt is way better as chubby. I agree with you. So they're like. Yeah, I guess they're like, so we want you to be just as fat as Seth Rogen. By the way, here is reason number one why the prequels didn't understand that practical effects are both easier and better than CGI. These guys are just little people in hoods. They do a little light thing with their eyes, the Jawas. It's so much more convincing than all the aliens in, 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 in the episode one and two. And they didn't have to do so much. That see, to go back to what I, my fears about Ahsoka and like how she's gonna be is is right there, because if you do too much, then it takes you out of the experience, and then you kind of question the whole thing, and then it becomes Jar Jar Bingsish. So there's something about like less is more with aliens, and like to leave oh. something to the imagination. Oh my god. Did you play any of the like really old school, just like side scrolling, shoot 'em up Star Wars games back in the day? No, I mean I can't think of there was, was there one for Nintendo. I had one for the Sega Game Gear, which was like their Game Boy. Um, but they had a bunch. No, of, I had Game Gear actually. That, that, that's something I had. Well, they had a bunch that were just like Metroid, but with Star Wars, basically. Or Mega okay, maybe. Game. Yeah. Okay, so first of all, the Sandcrawler looks amazing. You want to hear a little film trick right here? Yeah. I can tell you a little film trick. I'll wait till it happens. Okay, you see how it gets sucked up? You see how it got sucked up? Yeah. That was a reverse film photography. They dropped them out and then reversed the film. That's so smart. That's what I'm saying! George Lucas, come on! I love the different, like, R2-D2 units. Uh, or R2 units uh, that they show. And I imagine 
like this guy to have like this different personality and like, you know, this guy to have this other personality and them all to be like, Oh God, this is awful. And then this is obviously just a garbage can slash ink cartridge. This is called a gonk droid. That's an ink cartridge. It's a gonk gonk droid. They have those in the star Wars battlefront (laughs) games. It's hilarious. By the way, do you see the droid that R2 has just passed? Yeah, you can't see it. That's the really bizarre, annoying droid that comes into Rebels for a while. They're talks like this. I can't remember what that... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that talks like he's like a butler. By the way, there is literally droid torture and dismemberment in all of the three original movies. And coming up, Simi, multiple cases of physical and maybe sexual violation of Princess Leia off screen that they hint at. Okay, this is a CGI shot here. This guy on the on the thing. There was something similar in the original, I think, but this is the first of the major CGI shots. That's pretty cool. I don't mind it at all. It's the thing. I don't mind it. I don't love it, but I don't like it. But when we get to Tatooine later and it looks like an actual city, it's kind of cooler than the original Tatooine, but the fact that you know it... Okay, this sand crawler, totally practical. This is like if you guys have seen The Martian and all the scenes with Matt Damon and the Mars rover are just what they call bigatures, Simi. They're giant miniatures that they film. That's a bigature. That thing is probably four or six feet long, and they just film it to various scales to look ginormous. Speaking of bigotures, uh, as we were just kind of talking about yes. droid abuse uh, yeah. and bigots, uh, the the whole underline of like you can't bring your droid in here, and there is this whole like droidism going They're on. They're slaves. They are slaves. Yeah. They are black yeah. people in the eighteen thirties. Yeah, it's really interesting, like how he kind of lobbed that. He didn't have to do that at all. He could have just made it like he made a slavery issue and like uh you know he brought up the ai question like a la battlestar galactica back in 77 okay so lucas was very inspired by flash gordon and a lot of the sort of pulpy adventure science fiction properties of the first half of the century but philosophically, he was extremely inspired by Frank Herbert's Dune series, which started in the 60s, which has a lot to do with prophecy, messiahs, setting on a desert planet, a hesitant messiah who doesn't want to be a messiah, and then all that sorts of stuff. I might get into that later, Simi. I'll try not to be too heavy on it. I know we talked about it. I just wanted to prepare the listeners. Okay, here's Uncle Owen. Strict-ass Uncle Owen. If you don't, if you don't love that the music, you're not human. We'll get to the binary sunset scene soon. Can I ask you a hypothetical question? Yeah. Do you think Obi Wan knows that his family is going to get slaughtered? And if he did, did he let it happen? Wow. I know. I just blew your mind. Because if he doesn't know, then he's not a very powerful old Jedi. If he did know, then he let it happen because he knew that that happening would lead Luke to come off planet and want to fight the Empire. But you don't think he could have convinced Luke once he got to... uh, Nope. um, Nope. 
The whole point of this movie is choice, and that's what happens in in, in Dune with the Messiah character, Muad'Dib, a.k.a. Paul Atreides, is choice, but he realizes he's also trapped by prophecy. That doesn't happen in this movie. It happens more in the next two. And one of the underrated parts of Last Jedi is Luke stuck, uh, sick of being stuck in the trap of being the prophet of being the Messiah. I think maybe he thought, like, that's a possibility that could happen, but maybe not necessarily. And there was one of a few different options. One, he thought once he got, you know, once he took him halfway, maybe he could convince him to take him all the way, hmm. you know. Because um, he does agree to do something. He doesn't say, I can't do anything. He's like, I could take you this far, you know. It would be really cool if there was a book out there that was in canon about time travel and Star Wars, man, and Obi-Wan. I'm just saying, you know. That'd be really interesting. That would be cool, wouldn't it? <laughs> Maybe they could explain a few things and, like, you know, like, what the fuck was he doing in the desert? He's like, yeah. uh, he's like, like, Mo- he's like Moses only by himself. And, like, Why? oh, and Ahsoka could be in it, man. How cool would that be? Stop. Stop. <laughs> don't bring up Homegirl if you don't mean it. I mean, I'm literally writing the book we just described, so I definitely mean it. <laughs> Shameless plug. Shameless plug for something that doesn't exist, yeah. If you build it, it is no dream. Ooh, all, all to black, by the way. All to black. That never happens in modern movies. It never goes all to black in, in blockbuster movies. Oh, look! He's got a fucking uh, Imperial shuttle. That's awesome. It's a toy. He's got a model. Because he's a kid. He's us. He is us. I, I'm never going to get off of here. All right. So this will begin the discussion, Simi, of why are you... You don't have to answer this all now. I just want to seed this. I consider myself a Luca, and you consider yourself a Han guy. I'd be interested in talking about why that's the case over the course of this movie. You know, this is here a comes. scene... This here is comes. a scene, actually, that... You know, I was saying earlier that there's something I catch every time. And uh, I forget little things. So, Luke comes off very childish at times, and he doesn't come off very special. By the way, he just he just told C-3PO not to call him Master Luke, and C-3PO now spends the next five movies calling him Master Luke. Right, he doesn't fucking listen. He's not a very good droid. Anakin's a shitty inventor. But that goes about what I was saying. So, he's just not, he's just a kid, you know, like, and he's not so extraordinary. He does actually have a bit of, you know, a science mind. It looks like he, you know, maintains these droids and wants to take them apart. He's also a pilot. Which at a young age, he's, he's already a pilot. But that's a, that's a big deal. But, like, he doesn't, you know, seem like he's doing backflips, which he'll be doing next movie. You know what I mean? Like, with, with Yoda on his back. I just want to point something out, though. If you are an anti-SJW right-wing asshole out there and you somehow think Rey's overpowered at the beginning and Luke's not, then you need to stop watching Star Wars. Because <laughs> just watch where Luke goes in the next hour and tell me he's not at least as OP as Rey, if not more so. Do you think, though, that people watch movies and just cheer for the bad guys and just, like, you know, turn it off at the end and, like... They're, like, sad. What do you mean? Like, Star Wars fans who like Vader? No, I mean, like, just evil people in general. Oh, no, 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 no. No one thinks they're rooting for the Emperor. No way. I was thinking about that the other day. No, that's a scary thing. That's a scary thing. We don't have a bunch of Hitlers in this country who, like, know that they're evil. We have a bunch of, like, 
you know, his commanders and stuff who think they're doing the right thing. I really think there's people out there that would be like, I kind of get yeah, Donald Trump and the people around him right, know that they're evil. Saying, but, so they watch yeah. these movies. But I'm saying the middle America who is racist and annoying about Star Wars, I don't think they realize how racist and stupid they're being. Right. I guess, I guess like, I have a bunch of Decepticon stuff, and, I, like, I don't really want them to have world mm. domination to kill a bunch of humans. You know, like, I just mm. think it's kind of cool to have the bad guys from one of my favorite, you know, cartoons. But, uh, yeah, I guess some people might actually, they're like, oh, no, poor Palpatine. All right, I just put this full screen, guys. I, I am lucky enough to be able to project this on my television right now. Um, although I'm mostly watching my computer, man, to make sure the levels are good. Um, talk to me about the progression of Luke and why we complain about so many characters, Star Wars and otherwise, for being whiny boys. But with Luke, it never, it never, really, it never really grates on me, to be honest with you. Uh, I agree, too. He has more redeeming qualities, um, and you, um, actually, I mean, this is the dark, one of the darkest things that happens in this entire movie is coming up. Like when his aunt and uncle, like you have so much sympathy for him kind of immediately because he is, he seems green, but he wants to get in it. He has a good heart. He wants to take care of people. Uh, his family values, cause he's still even listening to his uncle. So there, he has these redeeming qualities. So he's not just like, uh, you know like whiny brat like like you're talking about hating a little bit but he he has good intentions and he 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 makes the good the right choices a lot of the time i mean it's rare that he uh you know he's like being like selfish or you know arrogant you know can i get a little film theory here yeah all right look where they're sitting look behind uncle owen Mm -hmm. okay the fact that you can't tell if that's a set or a blue screen is crazy in 1977. It looks like they're in that hut right there to me. That's a blue screen? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. The fact that I don't know makes it amazing. I always loved... Uh, Lucas always, with his sets, he didn't have the means to do what he wanted. So what he'd do is he'd hint and spark the corners of your imagination. So like you're watching this and you know, there are farmers and like, you you don't really get exactly what they're doing or like what it takes to run their farm, you Mm -hmm. know, but like, there's just this incredible machinery sitting behind them and they're eating in this open air layout in this like Adobe hut. And like, it's just, and like, then there's this like mountain background and it's just, he's created this crazy, crazy world. Binary Sunset's coming, but I have to tell you, man, really quickly, that dramatic scene there and these two older actors, spectacular and one of the most underrated dramatic scenes in all of Star Wars. And this is the key. That discussion, these two talking, and then Luke going to see the Binary Sunset right now, That this is Star Wars. Creates your love for Luke. That, that whole thing right there. And, like, and then when they die, spoiler alert, again, you're probably not watching this movie for the first time with us talking. Uh, okay. By the way, by the way, Please, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Turn it off. Turn us <laughs> off. Watch the movie. Yeah, watch the watch binary the- sunset. We're gonna keep talking through it because we're assholes. My favorite. One of my favorite parts. One of my favorite parts of our Rogue One commentary. <clears throat> yeah. 
was that like I kept saying things that were clearly spoilers because we agreed to say spoilers, but every time afterwards you were like, spoiler alert. <laughs> Because you weren't saying spoiler because I was spoiling anything. You were getting depressed because I kept bringing up that they were all dying over and over and over again. And you were just like, spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, my worst part, favorite, my least favorite part of the movie is that like everybody I love. And then you're like, oh, by the way, I have nightly nightmares about this stuff happening. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I love them. Oh. All of them. Sorry, guys, we talked over the binary sunset, but I'm sure y'all have jerked off to that scene many times. Figuratively speaking. Okay, Simi, very specific question. You ready? Yes. The forced binary sunset music we just heard, which sounds very Jewish, by the way, because it's in the minor key. Uh, you don't hear a lot of minor key in Hollywood. Is that little, quick little theme the best sort of mini theme in the history of Hollywood? I mean, this score is incredible. But specifically the Jedi music that we hear over and over, yeah. even in Rogue One and definitely in the new movie. Like, come on. I don't, I don't, let's put it this way. I don't know a better theme in all, in all the soundtracks I've listened to. You, I mean, the way the music in general plays with our, uh, our heartstrings, you know, is pretty incredible. This is also awesome. Great. Like, what the this. fuck is she making? Like what the fuck is she making? Honestly, it's 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 hot. You know what, Simi? This is a split. True Star Wars fans like you and I love these subtle moments in Star Wars. Everyone else is like fast forwarding forty five minutes because they want to get to spaceships and lightsabers. Oh come on! Not everyone else. You know what I mean? The 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 assholes. Oh, here we go. Build, let them build the world. Be patient. You can't just lick the cake, frosting off the cake, people. Pop quiz hotshot. What are these guys called? These are sand people. No, that's Tus- Tusken Raiders. Do you know what they're riding? A woolly mammoth on crack. That would be a bantha, my friend. Bantha. So when he says bantha poodoo, he's talking about that thing shitting. <laughs> <laughs> that is, I don't know. Does he shit like a camel where there's a thousand pieces or is it just one giant deuce? I wonder. It's just. It's just probably <laughs> sand. There's a lot of sand. So, how do you think that they have the hover, the hovercraft hovering there? By the way, this is the dumbest thing he does the whole time. Uh, it's not a real hovercraft. It's just a toy. I don't know the answer. I think they they make it look like it's all in frame, but there's a small part not in frame that's on a hook. I think holding it, but I honestly don't know. <laughs> They, of course, reprised that during the pod race in episode one. Yes, I remember that much. They do the same kind of thing when they're shooting at the uh, pod racers. Can I say something, though, about the prequels, man? I have shit on the prequels. I apologize. I have podcast contributors who get angry at me about shitting on the prequels. I will say, those three movies are very memorable. And yes, I've watched them a lot and criticized them, done commentaries and watched them. But compared to almost most big screen action sci-fi movies or anything in Hollywood since that time period, other than the Matrix and Lord of the Rings movies, I don't have a lot of other ones I remember that well. Look, I had fun memories of those movies. I went to my birthday's in May. Uh, it's the 20th. Shout, give me a shout out. Love you all. Uh, so... But they always come out in May, and I have these fond memories of them, and I still watch them. I rewatch them. I do. It's like a golden birthday. 
No, but I, 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 I saw Phantom Menace my birthday weekend. You know, I, I remember all of those like as like part of my birthday thing. Did you have like lightsabers and costumes and shit? Mm, I didn't have good lightsabers till I was older. Um, what, dude? When Phantom Menace came out, we were seventeen. They didn't really have great toys until. Um, let's see. I had. I was a for Halloween. I was a Jedi and I had a really cool lightsaber in oh. Okay, yeah, maybe oh five. Oh seven. They had some the, the ones that like pop out and like have noise and stuff. By the way, the the, the, the all the jokes about him being a creepy old man work great because he's not at all creepy for what he should be. It's, that's what makes Obi Wan great is he's just a crazy old Jedi. And look, he's immediately, his eyes are squinting. He's summing up the situation. He's going to see this. So here's my question, man. Again, right now, he must sense that his family is in danger because of this situation. I just think it's interesting. But he, but he does tell him pretty much. I mean, you got to assume that his aunt and uncle are being killed like right, right now. now. Right now. Right. So I guess my so theory would, yeah, my, my theory would have been earlier. Right. So, but yeah, I mean, obviously, like, did he, I mean, this goes back to the whole time travel and seeing how things are going to end up. God, he's a good actor, though. You know, how's it going to end up? But is he going to go to save him and give him the tools to change the future? Or does he know this is what's going to light the spark to let him go on this crazy venture with him? Yep. Yep. And we're about to see the Leia message, which is going to be amazing. Um, really quick though, again, to the prequels with Obi-Wan, what, why was Ewan McGregor so great in the prequels, despite what was going on around him? Like, how is that possible? Like, what was it about him that like, even people who hate the prequels way more than you and me, like tons more still like Ewan McGregor? I think, um, although Obi-Wan is in this movie a lot, he's not also in this movie a lot you know he gets like, killed exactly 35 minutes from now i believe right and like he doesn't so like he's not in this movie a whole lot and he Maybe is less. the only explainer of the force and he's also cool as shit so i think uh, and you know even gregor is an inc- incredible actor and he did a great job so the combination of having this um you don't have a lot of criticism about like obi-wan or vader you know what i mean like that's not where it's going to come from. You know, you might like be a sexist and not like Leia. You might, you know, be like us and tease Luke that he's just like childish at this point. Or you might think, you know, Harrison Ford was a bad actor at the time. And, uh, this cocksure scoundrel isn't that great. But that being said, Obi-Wan and Vader are flawless. in this. Like they're awesome, you know? So he had a great, uh, a great character act to follow for the prequel. The same kind of thing that but how did they turn how did they turn a guy in this movie who's famous for not fighting into like the greatest fighting Jedi of all time and it for not only people to buy it but make sense. Well, because he 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 became a non fighter after he fought a lot. That probably makes a lot of sense at some level. But I was gonna say the same way the same way that uh, Harrison Ford has paved a way for solo uh, you know, that if who, who knows like how great of a role the new character has to play to actually make us love him because we already love Han so much and 
he died. Our, our one of our favorite characters, well, my favorite character, but one of our all time, one of the big three, he died. And so, what do they do? They're bringing him back from this dead and bringing and telling yep. you his his story. Yeah. So, so you know, they also, you know, maybe that's why, you know, same kind of thing. Hopefully, that'll pave the way. But I think that that's why a lot. Ian McGregor had it like paved for him. You know, it was ready to go. It was prime. If, if, if Disney learned anything from the prequels, especially in terms of their own prequels, like Rogue One and Han Solo, it's focusing on everything around Obi Wan for all three movies because even Lucas was succeeding better at that point when he was dealing anything with Obi Wan. Even Episode oh, wait, Two, sorry. like I, we, go. Oh, here it, it is. Go, 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 go. This is it. This is the religion that 80% of this country doesn't have and wants, and they watch Star Wars and they get some of it. I appreciate that. And just the way he just explains it is just like, it, it's so funny. Somebody should like chop it all up and take it from all the, uh, like, Here it from is. cartoons. Here it is. Maybe the one of the top three to five scenes in Last Jedi is when R2 makes older Luke watch this. That's what changes his mind, right, man? He calls it a cheap trick, but... Right. He's like, she needs help. I'm going to be honest, Simi. I've said this before. Like, I loved Leia growing up, but I was so young. By the time I started having crushes, I started having crushes on, like, you know, stupid models and shit. Like, Leia was obviously beautiful, but I never really remember thinking of her as, like, a sex symbol for myself growing up. It wasn't until much later that I realized that was the case. Um which has been interesting to say the least. But I think that's why I'm so attracted to characters like now like Ray, but especially Jin or so it's like Jin feels like my Leia, but I'm a grown up now, so I can appreciate her as a woman and as a leader. You know what I mean? Like She <clears throat> Leia I mean, Leia just risked her life in like these upcoming scenes with her with with Vader, like about how she's like literally like, you know, being tortured to give information and like she's sitting there like allowing like trying to hold on as long as she can to not uh to not give in to to the rebellion to, to, to her friends you know and she she ultimately leads the whole rebellion <laughs> and she's that strong i love it when she grabs the gun later on see so do you think when he obi-wan thinks if he gets to there then he could convince him to keep going, you know, like she's like, well, I think know. Obi-Wan sees the path. Now he wasn't paying attention before, but now he sees the path. I think he always, he's so in control, even when he gets killed, especially when he gets killed by, by Vader. Well, I was going to say earlier, man, really quickly, but okay. You know what? I'm going to shut up. Bizzle. Watch the way the scene is filmed. Look at the camera angles and the shots. This looks like something filmed by like a French director five years ago. Like, look at this. This is amazing. This is so epic on an like indie 1977 budget. Camera's spinning. We're getting these close-up side shots of these, you know, charismatic but unlikable British figures. Here's the original Tarkin. I bet you, dude, the CGI looks better than ever. Look at that. You look at him. I'm telling you, the CGI in Rogue One is not that bad. It basically looks like him. It's so not that far off. It's not far off, and I don't want to like it, man, because other than it's in Rogue One, because I don't like that stuff. But I can't I have to admit, both young Leia and old Tarkin, the CGI is like 80 to 90%. Look at him. 
Here we come, though. Here comes, this to me is the most important line in Star Wars. It's because what he says, and here, this guy's going to start choking. It's because what he says and how he says it, they're CGI Tarkin. He looks more CGI than CGI Tarkin. That's the problem. Here we go. Don't be, here it is. The ability to destroy a planet is insignificant next to the power of the Force. He doesn't say the dark side. He says the Force. That, my friend, is Anakin Skywalker's only moment of clarity that we ever see on screen. You know, his suspicion of the Death Star because of the Force. Then he, of course, learns the wrong example and tries to choke the guy. <laughs> and this is our first, uh, our first true example of the Force that we've ever seen. He can yep, choke and it's people. a negative one, and we see the Force choke with Luke and Return of the Jedi. Honestly, man, though, you have to admit, I know you didn't love The Last Jedi, but you have to admit the seeds of Luke going somewhat dark are, are set in the original trilogy. Yeah. Although I know those weren't your problems with the movie, so that wasn't a, that wasn't a, that was a spark of Parasite. Thing is, I, the more I think about it, the problems you have with Last Jedi, I share almost all of them. I just It doesn't hit negatively to the same degree for whatever reason. But I get it. Here it goes. This is the whole journey in the desert. You get forced into situations and... I was going to say he does have that tone of like walking him through what he already knows and at any point like he's already figured it out. But I always thought it's too late. I always thought it was too late already and that's why he had already notice how there wasn't a single camera edit with him running to the speeder that's both good filmmaking and build uh, builds the um real realism of the speeder oh my god and this is the dark one of the darkest moments of this trilogy i mean dude look Disney didn't buy Star Wars in spite of the fact it was dark. It bought Star Wars because it's dark. It bought his PG-13 family. That's why. It's just dark enough. But did you see the skeletons? This one, see, as like a five-year-old. This would get a PG-13. This is saying that this got a PG in 77. This would get a PG-13 today. It didn't exist back then. Yeah. Easily. Easily. Empire might get. I mean, it, Empire's like hard PG thirteen now. I think. Oh, I agree. Because well, they push it. They push everything. The boundaries and the limits. I mean, I'm not a censor. There it is. Looking not quite as cool as Rogue One, but still amazing. God, but again, the, they leave it the imagination. The way they yes. develop these hallways, like you're like, what kind of fucking tube are you in in this outer space like world and this jail cell? Look, Which is also lent to rebels. Like they always this yeah. uh, uh, both the uh, the droid that floats, which is called torture, torture. They're torturing Leia. Here it comes. Right. There's a needle. They're zooming in on the needle and they Leia. Do the same one to Hera. But look at look at Leia. Thank God they don't zoom in. They just up oh, there it is. They're violating the shit out of a woman. in 1977 in space. That was tasteful violation. 
Yeah, absolutely, dude. This this movie proves one of my main film principles that I I'm good. I might have to name the semi principle because I only have put it fully together now. Although I've been talking about this forever, but it might this might be called the Klimo principle, which <laughs> is these one secret to filmmaking are which shots to linger on and which shots to not linger on. I think if you can do that. With decent acting and shooting and stuff, you can make a really good movie no matter what. It's like what you said about the Death Star, you know? It's like, you know, lingering on Leia's face, but not too long. It's when I talked about Luke walking to the speeder for 10 seconds with no camera shots, lingering there helped build the realism of the speeder. But once the speeder is moving, you want to move the camera as much as possible to to keep it real, if that makes sense. So... Luke's hairstyle really made like a solid comeback about five years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Justin Bieber. It's a Justin Wait, Bieber. What thing. are these things? This is the CGI. Yep. Here's the CGI. This guy, this whole scene, this whole extra little nonsense. Right. But the thing is, the, the long overshot of the bigger Mos Eisley, I was cool with, but I didn't know why they needed anything else. Right. The rest is just see the ad and these stupid little. What are they called? Well, this brings in the question we briefly touched on, man, in Rogue One, but didn't talk about, which was usually adding CGI where it doesn't belong in something old, which makes it look out of place, but sometimes not doing something or like adjusting Vader's costume makes it look more out of place, right? You know, it's funny. I've only seen this version maybe five or ten times because this isn't the version that I own. You, so, how do you, you own the THX version. How is that possible? Uh, I have it through Amazon, and I think it's the, you had the you at one point you had an option to buy. Oh, it. Amazon? No, that's that's been fucked with. That's been fucked. no, but it doesn't have some of this stuff. It doesn't have some of this stuff. Yeah, it's possible they removed some, but I like the Jabba thing coming up for sure has been in all the cuts. That's in it. That's in it. But it didn't have. Um, well, that's my biggest problem. I have no other problems except for Jabba. Except with for this Jabba. Stuff. And again, that proves my point about too much alien, like Jabba laying there with, uh, you know, him basically raping that woman on the on the chain, uh, is just the right amount. Him being choked out is just the right amount. But him like slithering around is like, what the fuck? How is that even possible? Like, how does that work? And then you're like. That that's where you start to question things. And then again, back to my fears of uh, making sure the the makeup and the and the CGI is correct for Ahsoka. So you know how they introduce mind control here, but then they're very restrained on it for most of Star Wars or like Watto in Episode One famously resisted right. it. But though Watto somehow resisted the Jedi mind trick and didn't think he would fuck with the die the die roll, like that makes no sense. He thinks the Jedi is going to mind control him. Is like we're going to roll a dice. Jedi's not going to do anything. Why? Uh. But right. um, but well, I think I think the cube. Uh, yeah. The cube was already bullshit. Yeah. Well, I will say, I just really quickly, so I've been working on a book, guys. I'm only going to say it involves Ahsoka and Obi-Wan and the world between worlds from recent Rebels episodes and them going to a different time or a different place in a different time uh, through the world between worlds. And one thing I thought of, man, pretty early was them just like wrecking it with mind control. 
Cause you know, just like they end up not where they need to be and they need to get to like the central areas right away. Like what if Ahsoka and Obi-Wan just like went out of control a little bit, used, worked with each other and just mind controlled everybody to get where they wanted to, because Obi-Wan could do it. We know Obi-Wan has the skills and we know Ahsoka has the skills. But we also know that like, you can't do that on everybody and everything. And it doesn't, but what if you did two together, two Master Jedis working together on it? Well, that's the other thing about the mysticism that I think that adds to... Yeah, sorry, I, I don't want to talk too much about my book. I want to talk about the mysticism and just about Obi-Wan's powers, I guess, is where I'm going. Well, I think that's the question that we all we all ask, is, and I think that's why a lot of these movies are cool, is we, and I, I'm sure I've said this a hundred times, but like we want to learn more about what we know about and like they give us little hints about it. Oh, reoccurring characters from Rogue Here One. Here guys. This is a Man. great scene. Oh my god. Pussy chin and pig face. Uh his name is Doctor he's a plastic surgeon and he yeah, did yeah. some research on himself. And then Pussy Face is uh or Pussy Chin. I just wanna point out we're forty five minutes in and this is happening. In Rogue One, when we see those guys, it's like 23 minutes in, and then we get the Jedi super battle right away. This movie does not pick up action-wise till an hour and 15 minutes in, and God bless it, I love it for it, but people who think this movie is like some action-packed Jedi fest from moment one have not watched it recently. <laughs> Although we did see the lightsaber there, that was dope. That's the thing, it's not. The reason why you feel like it is is because it's, it's Jedi lore. You know, they're telling you a lot about the history of Luke. They're telling you about the history of his father. They're telling you about the history of the Jedi. And it's our first intro into all of that. And I think that's what the, attracts us to it. The consistent world is very attractive. The, the, the sci-fi is incredible. But, you know, this, you know, what is a Jedi and trying to learn more mm-hmm. about this awesome fucking superhero you know, is is, is what really drew, drew me into Here we it. go. Here we go. Here's my guy. Simi Zahan guy. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Look at those eyes. Here it is. The whole movie, the whole Han movie is right from here. He Think about Harrison Ford. He actually gets better looking as he gets older. He really does. A fine wine. Can will you believe me when I tell you that his performance in Force Awakens is my favorite Harrison Ford performance of all time? You're not wrong. I mean, am, am I stupid? Is what I'm saying for thinking that his best performance of all time. My personal favorite Harrison Ford, most memorable that I think about and is brilliant, was that role. How he dealt with Ray and Finn and Leia and Ben, right there, boom. It's hard to say because I love him so much in this. I'm not saying he was the best Han Solo ever, by the way. Right. I'm saying my favorite Harrison Ford performance because it felt like he was in it more than ever because he keeps getting better as he gets older, which is insane. By the way, The Fugitive is a top 10 movie. I dare anybody to argue that. It was a one-armed man. You know what? He's also a pilot in real life. <laughs> and he's crashed in real life during the making of Star Wars movies. Yeah, he almost died. So, guys out there, have, do you mind if I talk about Carrie Fisher for like 90 seconds while this is going on? Go. So, in case you don't know, guys, 
if you thought maybe there was something romantic in real life between Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford, you would be right. It only lasted for about a year during the production of this movie, and he was married to his first wife then. He has a new wife now. And if you want to hear Carrie Fisher being hilarious and talking about her crazy life, her mental health issues, and her obsession with Harrison Ford and their fling together, you should read The Princess Diaries, the last book she ever wrote, in ebook form. It's literally five or six hours long and includes some poetry that her daughter, Billy Lord, reads as like, as like interludes. It is so funny. You will be laughing out loud like at least a dozen times. You get the bizzle guarantee on that. Princess Diarist talking about these guys from... Yeah, go ahead. Fucking Greedo, man. He's great. I don't even appreciate him enough. Is he really, really wearing a windbreaker? Okay, here we go. Let's see. Is it the clear who shoots first on this version? Oh, he shoots it. First. Yeah, I never noticed the change in the special edition. Let's see if I'm I'm looking close enough now. Depends what they shoot first. Doesn't mean it happens first. But they shoot with the camera first. It's simultaneous. Simultaneous. In mine, it's simultaneous, which actually makes the most sense. They would both shoot at exactly the same time. Guns take two milliseconds. I'm happy with that, man. That didn't bother me. What do you think? Fine. I'm fine with it. Because the original version of this, they flipped to Greedo shooting, Han kind of shimmies over, and then shoots. That's That was the first fucked with version. I thought Han shoots first. No, no. Han shoots first in the original in our heart, but what I'm saying is it was more egregious than what we just saw in the original extended edition. It, it's more acceptable now to me. He's more of a scoundrel. They made him less of a scoundrel? If you, if, you know how people have standoffs in movies where they're both holding guns at each other? Mm-hmm. Why don't they pull the trigger? If I'm holding a gun at you and you're not pulling the trigger at me, why would I not pull the trigger at you? Why would we have a standoff for five minutes? For drama? That's what I'm saying. In real life, both people shoot, and Han moved, and Greedo lost. That that makes right. sense to me. Right. And Greedo's bullet goes off into the side, so he obviously yeah. hits it. By the way, guys, 52 minutes into the movie, I told you I'd give you some times. 52 minutes of the movie, we're still on Tatooine, and n- nothing that's considered in the like top 10 moments of the movie has happened at this point. Other than the sunset. Although, although, could we argue, like Rogue One, one of the great things about this movie is the building towards a giant climax kind of thing? You might be right. And I think it takes you out of it. Oh, this guy. When you, Penis face oh, okay. is, is chasing okay. her. Oh, here it is. You ready to okay. bash it? I, I don't know what to say. He looks terrible and doesn't look real. I don't know how he moves. He just slithers. I think the best thing we can do is talk other topics while this is happening. Um, so, um, yeah, man, no, I've been putting out the time for the fans, but let me put it to you this way. With me telling you some of the times, are you surprised how long it takes to get off this planet? You know what? You know what? Wait, wait, this is also an intro to one of the biggest characters in the whole fucking thing. I know, but I want to pretend it doesn't exist because in my version of this, this never happened. Well, Greedo's back, even though he just died. Wearing the same thing. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I honestly didn't. Th- I went the wrong. No, I went totally the wrong way. I thought you didn't want to talk about this. Please, please go. No, I just was. I just was just done at me. Like they're also entering uh, Bobo Fat. I mean Jango Fat. 
that's this is this is that introduction. Was that the original one? None of this was. Boba Hello? Fett was not in this. Oh, movie. Sorry, I, I thought I lost. <laughs> No, no, I'm lo- I'm trying not to talk over you. Uh, Boba Fett was not in the original um, at all. None of this was. This whole scene. Boba Fett, honestly, Captain Phasma, who I despise, makes it, it is so superior to Boba Fett. Boba Fett is so worthless. He literally has no point. Just because people think his outfit is cool, which I don't. I can think of a thousand Star Wars characters with cooler outfits than Boba Fett. I don't understand it. It's part of nostalgia that I just have to deal with. He, he might not be wrong with that. God, I love Chewbacca. You can He's tell me if I'm nerd. wrong. I'm just trying to understand. No, I was just saying, like, the only beneficials... I was trying to, like, redeem the scene a little bit, you know? Like, I don't like it. I wish it wasn't there, but... No, I, I feel bad now because you want to talk about it and I fucked up. You can still talk about it. I, I just honestly thought you were going to say, oh, this is bullshit. And so I just went somewhere else. I should have asked you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought you said we weren't going to do that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was trying to find I ruined it. I ruined everything. I ruined it. I just, I ruined like, everything. Let's just not try to bash. Okay, the orange the orange shoulder pads we see in that's Rogue cool. One, right, in the Jedi yeah. scene. I mean, so that's the thing. They clearly model Jedi on what's going on right now. Like, look at these look at these shots. This is like before uh uh Donnie Yen comes out, right? Yeah, literally how they I mean, they're copying these other. exact shots, the c- number of stormtroopers like I'm sorry, man. Gareth Edwards, who directed Rogue One, is, you have to admit, the biggest fanboy of any of the Star Wars directors we've seen so far in terms of the level of trying to copy the original trilogy. I also think Rebels, there's a lot of uh, parallels. Well, that was Dave Filoni, who was hired by Lucas many years ago, yeah. Right. So I think think there's a lot of parallels to what they're trying to do. God, I love that show. So here comes the Falcon. Here comes Chewie. One of the reasons I, I know you're going to love Han Solo is just the relationship with Chewie. There's obvious Kevin Ch- chemistry, man, between Alden Ehrenreich and Chewie in those scenes we've seen. Chewie's great with Rey. She's great with Han of all age. I mean, Chewie is the ultimate just like chill pill for the whole scenario because he's just Chewie. He's also a big teddy bear. All right, so this is a giant blue screen, but for 1977, looks amazing. Again, leaving tons of the imagination about how deep the ship is, where it goes. That is one of the cooler things I liked about uh, The Force Awakens, how they opened the ship up a little bit more, because obviously they have a little bit more of a budget this time around. So, like, they, they made the ship. So, like, you're able to see the smuggling bins and, ter- like, and how deep they are. And You can also watch Donald Glover do it on Twitter right now for two minutes, which is fantastic. But, yes. The guts, it almost looked too big, right? The way they were running around and hiding. It almost looked like it was bigger than the Falcon, but that's just the Falcon. I, I right. love that stuff. I right. agree, yeah. The Imagineer, oh, this is cool, too. Jumping to hyperspace for the first time. And Single engine reactor. And we are off world. They basically were like, how do we make these bad guys look? I don't know. Let's make them look like Nazis. Okay, I'm going to say this once, people. I know you think she's sporting a British accent right now. She's not. This is called Mid-Atlantic, and I know she speaks more like an American later, 
But if you were a princess of this magnitude speaking to this guy, this is exactly how you would speak. Royalty is taught how to do this constantly. This was a conscious choice. I'm sorry. I, 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 it makes me angry that people don't realize what's actually going on here. And actually, it's the same thing. And I don't, I don't think uh, Portman, uh, when Portman does her accent, it's the same. Right, she's thing. talking as Padme or Amidala, exactly. Right. Well, that's Absolutely. the thing. Padme and Amidala came from the two sides of Princess Leia. I think. Yeah, that's a great point. Great point. She's having literally, like, she is being a prisoner of war right now as a princess of Alderaan. You know what I mean? Like, she is royalty, and actually. They get really, uh, they get they get into that during Catalyst a lot, which is kind of cool, and uh, Bloodline especially about like actually these specific families and things like that. So she is presenting herself as the the Princess of Alderaan on purpose because she's trying to turn this into a situation where she can be diplomatic. Can I uh, can I pr- can I give you some praise from our Rogue One commentary? Yes. You brought up a point numerous it. times. Uh, well, you're going to have to deal with this one, asshole. Um, <laughs> the, the, you talk about this scene in particular compared to seeing uh, Jedha and then Scarif hit with a Death Star. And the experience, if you know more people are dying here, it's in the billions versus the thousands or millions at most. But being able to see the death on the various planets with the Death Star in Rogue One was more affecting than what we see here from a like relatable human standpoint. And listening back, I should have supported you more on that point. Go ahead. Well, they gave you a minute. They gave you a minute to appreciate the planet. Like at some level, like you have no idea except at this point that like you know, like people die because Obi Wan says, like, I feel like millions of people just died. But like you don't have the attachment that they drew up for you. You know, to show like people having a drink and, and in a shop and just like walking and like living, and then all of a sudden their world is destroyed, and then other people are watching that world being destroyed. So, so I took my film there about shots. You know, holding shots versus not holding shots. Um, let's put it this way: I know it makes sense that the Death Star did that to multiple planets in Rogue One, but part of me thinks they had that image in mind of Jin and Cassian at the end and the death approaching them as they hugged each other and worked backwards from there, to be honest with you. Because um, it just worked out too perfectly from a filmic standpoint. But I, either way, it was brilliant. And yes, I mean, they said for Jeddah multiple times, right? I mean, they were horrified by what happened in Jeddah. Yeah. Oh, I love this. Uh, the homage they pay, they play to this and. um, in Force Awakens when Finn turns it on on accident. The game. Where are you, by the way, time-wise? Uh, I'll cut this out. Where are you? Uh, an hour and 37 seconds. Okay, we're pretty close. 41, 2, 3. Yep, we're good. Oh, you made it sound like we were off. Well, no, because you were talking about the ball while it was off screen, but you were just... No, I didn't mean it. the ball. Yeah. I'm sorry, I meant the game. Like the the game that uh, yeah the game yep here it is Jedi can feel the force throwing through him right right partially control your action also obeys your commands this force stuff is great I gotta turn my sound up I th- I've been I think I've been talking too much because my sound has been low yep hey, there it is there it is so there's a direct line from Hokey Religions to yes it's true it's all true about the force with Han Solo and the Force Awakens right yeah yeah you watch him his overall like transformation
Let's make this a little harder. Why are you trying blindfolded? Seems like you were doing all right before. See, he's being subtle here, Mark Hamill. He could be super whiny right now. He's not. He's already taking this seriously. He's in a solemn place. He just lost his uncle and aunt. This guy's taking him under his wing, you know? Just like that. There's his Jedi training for the whole movie. <laughs> That's it. See? You can do it. <laughs> I did feel something. Right. The larger world, the world of the forest, just like the Matrix or the Dune prophecy world. It's great. I mean, but that's a good question. Is this really like a whole prophecy that he knew was eventually going to take him under his wing? But he's too old, you know, like all these things. If you count the prequels, Clone Wars and Rebels as canon, which they are, you sort of have to see him. Yeah, I think. By the way, by the way, man, Obi-Wan, like less than a year before this, did that thing to Darth Maul that you know I'm talking about. Right. This guy, Alec Guinness, a year ago murdered Darth Maul in about, what, four seconds? Yeah, which was so amazing, actually. It was... Samurai. It was completely climactic, and then it, like, ended in, like, a swift, you know, painful death. This is all classic Star Wars. These guys are doing great acting. George Lucas, not an act, uh, actor's director. He doesn't do shit. He just lets the actors act, and be- for better or worse, here it's working great. Wow, I just noticed Chewbacca wearing a headset. It's kind of funny. So this is where the magnitude of what they're dealing with is really going to come into play. It's a star. It's not a star. You know, like, it's just so incredible, the the killing machine that they've created, and, and they really let you know the magnitude of that as, as they pull up. Because they're, they're explaining this is impossible. Like, how could this have happened? How could this TIE fighter get so far away from base? He's heading to that star. That's no star. That's no moon. I fucked up. No, I I would have said the same thing. Ooh, there's some red on the back of that TIE fighter. I like it. That's added. No, I think it's a taillight. Because I have the models of the original TIE fighters. They do have that little taillight. I just didn't know that prominently before. No, I know what you meant. It looked like a stripe for a second when I was looking at it. That was was J.G. Abrams' uh, shot before J.G. Abrams'. I will say, we get to see Finn in episode 7 in right episode 8 fight with the turret on the Falcon, which I love. They totally get Star Wars, and we love that shit. I love how they sneak out here. This whole thing is just so smart. Like, they're stuck, and they know it. And like, yeah, wow, look at that shot! How does this not hold up? How could anyone ever say that this is not They don't! Up? No one said that's that's not the argument here. Like with Rogue One, man, the argument of this is 
explaining to people that it can be 100% your favorite movie and not perfect at every single second, I think, for me. Wow. Oh. You have to admit, episode 7, episode 8, whatever criticisms we have, the handling of the Falcon has been spectacular. I, I think that was the only one that they actually created, right? Right. And they created it again for the new Solo movie. To, to think he won it in a card game. <laughs> and there's CGI Tarkin. I'm sorry. It look, he does look just like the CGI. I can't get over it. He really does. Maybe he just looks like a cartoon, and that's kind of what throws yeah. everybody off anyways. Well, it's, like, it's like Donald Gleason as, as uh, Hux at First Order. You need these cartoonish Nazi-esque figures. I mean, he just looks like an evil Nazi. Like, he's obviously, I mean... Which one? Uh, I was going to say uh, CGI. Uh, oh, Tarkin, yeah. Tarkin. There's a Tarkin book, by the way, with new canon. It's supposed to be pretty good. But I think they did better in Rogue One with 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 uh, kind of some of these buttons on Vader. Some of these buttons, you're just kind of like, are those really buttons? Like, are they just like colors? You know? The intro, you listen to it. I normally don't put an intro before the music. I put an intro before our podcast because I thought it was that good. With those oh, I did like our intro. I yeah, did like our intro was great. It's unprecedented. But what did I say? I said it's as if Gareth Edwards drilled into my brain, found all the Star Wars I loved, and made it even better in a new way. And like, that's the thing. Like, he was able to make Vader even cooler, which I didn't think possible. And still, you know, allow the character to portray following through as if, like I was saying before, you know, you can watch Rogue One, the end of it with that Vader, and then you can kind of seamlessly like, I wonder if I'm going to show my unborn child, like it like that, just to see what he thinks. You know what I mean? Just be like, it's a five hour movie. You're just going to have to sit through it. (laughs) Guys, this has become a joke as a drinking game on my podcast. So this will be my last rogue one point and I'll stop talking about it. But I have to say, Simi, let's say episode nine is as good or better than episode seven and eight. Like it's just as good. And it's a great finish to the trilogy. Of the of all the new movies at that point, I still the only one I would feel cheated if it got erased from history would be Rogue One. Like I cannot imagine Star Wars without Rogue One now. Whereas the new trilogy has been amazing, but if it got erased from history, I could live with it. I think I think that's the point. I think that's part of it too. Like I'm really excited. Like I can't enjoy my original trilogy as much without Rogue One now. Like I need it to enjoy the three movies I love so much. Right, and there's certain nostalgia and love like of the return that I'll always have for the first Force Awakens, and uh, God, I love I love Chewie. He's such an awesome character. I wish he'd actually rip somebody's arms off though at some point. Well, he definitely neck slammed someone in the solo trailer, so that was pretty good. <laughs> oh, that hair flip! Did you love that hair flip? Look at that coming out of that stormtrooper. Actually, that was short for a stormtrooper. Can I ask you a historical question that we have no consent, uh, no sense of, because you and I grew up in the '80s? But I still am curious your thoughts. Mm. Is what was it about this vision of Star Wars in '77 where it feels like a '70s movie, but it doesn't feel dated at all, like 99 percent of '70s movies? I think you, 
you know, a long t- I think the way they phrase it is funny. Like, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So you kind of, like, leave your imagination. But, you know what I mean? As the aesthetics of the filmmaking from Lucas's side to make something that feels eternal and eternally fresh and not, you know? Well, I think it's its own world. And, and it's, 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 a, it's a parallel world. It's a world like ours, but it's a not... Your destiny lies for a different path from mine. Sorry. Obi says Obi-Wan. The Force will be with you always. We've heard said intermatic moments. Yeah. Yeah, he fucking knows. He fucking knows. He knows what's going on the whole time. He might so not what- know... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, trivia question for ourselves, I don't have an answer for. Other than that, how many times have we heard the Force will be with you always? We know that Admiral Holdo, Admiral Holdo says it to Leia. No, in general. Oh, in general. Oh, I love this part. I found her and keep thinking she's here. So once Leia appears, I'm going to start losing my mind. So you better start talking. R2-D2's role is completely underrated in all of this. He saves their lives from getting crushed in a little bit. Is it underrated, though? I feel like R2 is the top two or three of everybody's list. I could be wrong. Well, but he's not part of the big three, you know? Like, he's still not, like, a main character. However, like, at any point, he could have killed them all. Like, he's always, like, he's always just, like, saving them. He's like BB-8. I mean, I guess that's what BB-8 does, too. Well, I, the thing is, I love BB-8 in Episode 7, but they made him so overpowered in Episode 8, it became less believable. I didn't like him the way they portrayed him as much. Whose hair is better, Hans or Luke's? So this, by the way, this overacting by both of these two actors here, where they're way overacting, um, but this is philosophically uh, representative of their differences. Oh, she's right. a bitch. <laughs> Dude, she's that's the Han Solo we're getting in the new movie. Is the I'm not doing this. She's rich. She's rich. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, by the way, Amelia Clark by herself worth a movie ticket. I'm telling you. Those sideburns, though. The sideburns, long hair, totally in fashion. As are the rebel beards, right? Rebel beards are totally in fashion. Oh, this is the famous uh, fake Wookie prisoner. Oh, is this the reference of Cassian and uh, K2 with the slap? Oh, shit. (laughs) There's a fresh one where that came from. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm sorry, Cassian. Yeah, go ahead. Chewie's, like, belt of, like, bullets. He doesn't have the uh, ammo strap in a lot of the new movie shots, which is interesting. So maybe he just learned in his old age. He uh, kind of looks naked without it, right? I mean, he's already naked. He, yeah, that, like he just looks like any other Wookiee. So the question is, does the subculture of furries uh, derive from Chewie ultimately? That's actually a really good question. That, I, I actually think it's from the Easter Bunny, like some weird thing that happened to them when they were. We are seeing maybe his wife or a female Wookiee. It looks like in the new movie, which makes you think she's going to die. Oh, so he's just a, a wounded hero as well. Yep. I feel like he has some rapport with that one woman in the scene uh, in uh, Force Awakens, where she's like, "Oh." must be very brave where he's yeah, kind of, yeah, like, he's kind yeah. of like 
flirting with her. And then him yeah. and Mao had something going on. Where's my boyfriend? Wakanda I love forever. that Wookiee. <laughs> Wakanda forever. Yes. Yes. I'm doing the X right now. So, I did too. Have you seen the movie too. Chasing Amy? Oh, yeah. I'm a big... Uh, so the classic scene in the beginning movies, where yeah. they're at the comic book convention with the Black Power comic book guy. And he's like... The baddest black man in the galaxy, and they take off the mask, and he's just a crusty old white guy. Do you know what this means? And then Jason Lee stands up and goes, intergalactic domination. (laughs) Gentrification. (laughs) (laughs) That wants to tell us that underneath it all, we all just want to be white. Jason Lee stands up. Isn't that true? And the guy takes out a gun and just shoots him in the head. <laughs> Isn't that true? <laughs> but God, he's loose. I'll get him. <laughs> it's, all, it's all a plan. They, they hatch together, of course. God, they took a lot of fire. Did you see Infinity War, by the way? No, I have not. I'm trying to find time. We had a Young Judea reunion this weekend, actually. Uh, for my year course. Shout out to Young Judea. Thank you. Otherwise, I Jesse did. and I would never have met. I still have the uh, golden blue pin on my backpack, man. Always. You know, I love how all these guys are basically like scientists, too. Like, it's so funny. They're astronauts and pilots. And- 2187. By the way, they just said 2187. Do you remember what the, where we get that reference again? That's her jail cell. That's uh, yeah, but but what do they get reference in the new movies? Oh, don't quiz me. What is this? Stormtrooper. Call sign FN two one eight seven. Oh, that's interesting. Finn is two one eight seven. Is that number significant? Is it in some sort no, of a de- just from right here, way, literally two one eight seven. Not, I mean, you want to go like Gematria biblical style, go for it. But I have nothing. Yeah, I was in spot a few. I got my volume ago. really loud, by the way. I hope it's okay. I'm like, I really... can't hear it at all. Okay, good. Oh, here we go. Here we go. God, she's so hot. I mean, she won over everyone's hearts here, but she's full bodied with rosy cheeks. Like you don't see that a lot in Hollywood. Like I don't understand. She's she's like the most perfect thing ever. And when you find out she has an IQ of like 180, she makes her even hotter. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Okay, so what's the what's the ranking system by the way? Tarkin seems to be over Vader. He's a grandma. Well, I think Vader has a different role, so otherwise he would Here it is. Jedi are extinct, fire's gone out in the universe. Yep, that's what he want, wants to think. By the way, the prequels and the sequels all draw from the same fucking thing over and over again. Mm. In terms of the Jedi being extinct and them having no reason why they should think the Jedi would be extinct. The cape is so powerful. Oh, we <sighs> Sorry, go. I was just going to say, Obi-Wan just knows where he's going the whole time. He knows he's going to die. I'm convinced when he first hooks up with Luke at the beginning of the movie, he's convinced he's going to die, I think. Well, well, he did die for our sins. 
He's also dying because he's more powerful as a ghost for Luke. What's the term for those people? Like when they're when they're in the in between when like Force Yoda, Ghost. Force Ghost. But not Luke at the end of Last Jedi. Luke at the last end of Last Jedi, I don't know. Me and my people have been called I don't think it's been defined what he is. Yeah, we've called that an astral projection. Well, no, I think he was alive during that period. Well, that's what I'm saying. An astral projection actually puts his a form of his body and mind there. He would have to, because Kylo would know it wasn't him if he wasn't Right, there. right, right. No, totally. That's what happened. But I don't think he actually, like, goes on to another place where he actually, like, you know, disappears in the end. Well, no, uh, that's why it kills him. That's the whole point. You can right. only do that once and it kills you. Uh, that's why he's hallucinating at the end and about to die but he's hallucinating and sees the two sons because his mind is destroyed from that that project but no one else in canon has ever done that so at the moment whatever the luke people want to say luke skywalker is the most powerful jedi ever in the new canon talk about strong women roles grabs the gun takes three shots into the garbage i mean look my favorite character in star wars is princess leia i'm sorry there's no two ways about it i've never heard you say that she's my favorite because she gives me no reason from the beginning of this to the end of the trilogy why she should not be my favorite i know we bring this up all the time but that's actually the scene that's the scene right that's drilled in my head that girls can play with boys and can play the same roles, and that's the scene. She grabs the gun, she takes charge, she gets him out of the pickle. They keep copying it. You have Jin and Jakku. I'm sorry, you have Ray and Jakku at the beginning with her staff beating off all the skeevy guys, not and then needing they're, Finn's they're help. running away from the Tie Fighters. Right? And you have Jin with her, you know, like uh, whatever the fuck those are, beating up stormtroopers and hitting them with blasters and shit. This was always one of the coolest scenes. Again, this your is imagination is running. Imagination is running wild. Your warship. How does okay. it smell? Okay. What the it, fuck is that? Here, no. so here's the question: For people to say that Luke, I'm um, sorry, that Lucas had no sense of a possible future romance between Han and Leia, I don't buy because you can see the sparks flying between these two and him calling her your warship and stuff like that already, which is a big part of Empire. You know, so I, I I'm gonna give Lucas credit that he during if maybe if not the writing process, but during the filming process, he must have seen these two having chemistry, right? Oh, I don't think you can deny that they're they're flirting. I mean, they're that's like like oh. if you're like, what's definition of flirting? Well, watch these two people interact. They're flirting with each other. God, that's just petrified. Oh man, that's just scary as all hell. That's. The way that I would like to die least. Being drowned by some sort of a, a garbage monster. Oh, man. Jesse, what monster is that that's trying This I do not know. <laughs> I will say in Return of the Jedi, when they're over the Sarlacc pit at the beginning with Jabba, that looks exactly, and even it originally looked, but looks even more now with the, the new version, like a sandworm in Dune. Like, it looks almost exactly like a sandworm in Dune. It looks like a sandworm, like, baby. Yeah, like, yeah. A baby. Baby Jesus. <laughs> Speaking of the sandworms, you, you made me start to think about Dune more. Did they, like, steal those sandworms and bring them into The Hobbit? 
The Hobbit? Yeah, remember those worms that like break through at the end of The Hobbit? Uh-uh. No, I don't remember much about The Hobbit. <laughs> uh, well, I'm sorry. I meant the series The Hobbit. The five... Uh, the Battle of the Five Armies. Like oh, that, that's my least favorite. Yeah, I don't. I don't really remember. Maybe uh, okay. I wouldn't be surprised. A lot of people have used the sandworms. Yeah, it's pretty bad. They used it like pound for pound. But the key look, the key connection with Dune has to do with prophecy, right? So let's go back to our Obi Wan conversation. So did we know he knew? Did he know that the family was going to die? Did he know what Luke's response would be? Did he know they end up here? Did he know that Luke was going to see him in five minutes from now and see him die to Vader and have a certain reaction, have a certain thing trigger? Like, it's hard to know. It's very hard to know. But, dude, the example... No, go ahead. I, I feel like a lot of this time travel stuff and a lot of this, like, prophecy stuff and a lot of, like, what you Not know time travel. No know. time travel. Dune has zero time travel. Star Wars hasn't until, like, three weeks ago. No, forget about that. Okay, so I'm just saying, in general, all of this... Uh, you know, what does Obi-Wan know? Uh, in the, well, I would say in time travel, meaning like, why is, would you know it? Like, how could you see the future? Like that, 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 that aspect of time travel. Um, and in the end, like he knows a lot. And I think, I think, or what I always grew up thinking without beating it was that mm. he knew certain versions of what could happen. Yeah. And, then he was looking for the triggers to set everything in motion. You know, like, he knew he knew the boy would come to him. Can, can I give you a non-spoiler thing to look for in Infinity War? Sure. Doctor Strange. That's all I'm going to oh, say. he's one of my favorite characters. I used to have a comic book okay, uh, so that just, I collected called The Secret Just Defenders. do me a favor and see Infinity War... And follow Doctor Strange and, like, really follow him and tell me what you think. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. I appreciate that. Cool. I appreciate nuggets like that more than anything else. You know, like, like just pay attention to this or watch this. Okay. No, he's one of my favorite characters. Well, I've been hot and cold on Doctor Strange. The fact that you liked him, you would have probably picked up on that anyways. But I just wanted to make sure. I'm a Cumberbatch fan, too. I am, too. But also his accent has gotten way better for this movie. Well, speaking of uh, the Hobbit, he is Smaug. Also, it's been spoiled. Sorry, people. C-3PO is going to be in Han Solo, in case you didn't think so. Maybe you don't recognize me with my red arm. That was this is an adventure movie. This is like Indiana Jones. It's like a series of adventures. It's crazy. I do always think of it like an adventure movie. I always yeah. have that feeling like it's clearly my stats. least favorite of the Star Wars movies, and it's not because I don't realize how brilliant it was, but ultimately, Empire and Return of the Jedi are together the greatest science fiction achievement of all time, in my opinion. I love how they're seat the review is always over. Right, they're dying. By the way, these guys did totally bond during the whole thing. I know Carrie Fisher and, and uh, Harrison Ford had a weird thing going on, but in general, the cast and crew really bonded during this. In London, by the way, you know, Simi, they're using the same London studios upgraded that these guys used back in the day. Oh, that's amazing. I like that. I like that. See, it just looks like he knows where he's going. This looks like where he killed Darth Maul. This looks only one step below 
the Lord of the Rings in terms of CGI, and that is very high praise because to me, most of the Lord of the Rings still looks seamless all these years later. Wait, did he just turn? How does? Yeah, he he's just, still he just a fucked spy. that thing. Yep, unbelievable. Yeah, I know. So I was going to say earlier was that Ewan McGregor being a kick-ass badass helps inform why this guy giving up his life instead of fighting Vader is the ultimate step. I, like, I love the, Cin- the Cinnabon here. I mean, look, I love Harrison Ford, but both Harrison Ford and Hamill are overacting at points, and Carrie Fisher is completely in the level of you know Star Wars cheese that you need the whole time. I, I love how he is such an egomaniac and watching the evolution of who he becomes. All right, so this is not a sexist comment, guys, because you know I love Carrie Fisher and my view on feminism and so forth, which is that I'm a giant feminist. I'm just pointing out the obvious. If you don't know, they literally had to tape her breasts down during this movie with that white costume because it, they, she couldn't be wearing a bra, and they insisted on that stupid-ass white costume. Because that's what people wear. And because she has, like, proportions of a full-bodied woman, which should be worshipped, but is somehow looked down upon by much of the population. Savages. We don't want our women to eat whatsoever, and we want proof of it, apparently. (laughs) More Twiggy. Ugh, I hate to be old man Breader, man, but do you see some, like, female models who are so skinny, and you're just like, eat, please, eat, have some food. Let me take you to a steakhouse. Yeah, you don't have to even hook up with me. I literally just want you to eat food. Like, come on. You don't even have to eat the meat. Well, I'll get you just the mashed potatoes have a lot of calories. That's one reason I love both Scarlett Johansson and Elizabeth Olsen, who plays the Scarlet Witch in Avengers, is they just are normal, normal, full-bodied women. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence. Classic shot right there, the two of them. Again, normal woman. <laughs> I love this. I love this. I love this. He gets one and then runs back. So many movies have copied that, what just happened. So many movies. God, those pants, though. By the way, the lasers in this movie look as good as any modern Star Wars or Star Trek movie to me. Or any sort of sci-fi movie. That's a cool scene. Well, here we go. Another adventure thing. I mean, this is like Uncharted. I feel like I'm playing Uncharted the whole time. It's crazy. This is very uh, uh, Indiana Jones coming up. Okay. So while we watch this greatness, and she's going to kiss him at some point, obviously. Um, So should we talk about that? That's creepy or no? Can I just say something? (laughs) Can I just talk about how... You can't appreciate the original movie as we do without Empire, and you can't appreciate either of those two without Return of the Jedi, and yet people think they can separate them? Like, somehow this is a deep portrayal of both Luke and Vader in this movie is just not the case. I I think you need them all. I I think the character building of all of them is so important, so you can can like, you, you can have your favorites and everything, but like, I couldn't I, I couldn't live without this one, even though it's not my favorite. I love Leia shoots. Leia shoots with her teeth gritted and her eyes open, man. It's awesome. This is so cool, too. That he just has this. Here's the Leia music. Uh, dun, 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 dun. Okay, so, Simi, until I heard the Ray theme in episode seven, Princess Leia's theme was my favorite piece of music in Star Wars or elsewhere ever. It was Princess Leia's theme. Ray's theme has taken over, however. 
It just shows the brilliance of John's, John Williams. Here comes the ultimate battle. Padawan versus Master. Okay, so this, this is the prophecy question. This is the prophecy question. When he's about to say, I'll become more powerful than you can imagine, what is he referring to? If you strike me down. Um, I think he's just waste holding him back so he doesn't go after Luke at this point. And I think he... Uh, I think he ultimately is supposed to be truly trained by Yoda and that he wasn't supposed to be truly trained. Like the, that wasn't the, the plan was he was going to be trained. But does by he have Yoda. to die for that? Um, well, I don't think it's death what he does. I think he just goes on. And I think again, because I think uh, Obi-Wan has gone through a lot that he is ready for this stage of life. And I think there was a point that, I think also there was some sort of metamorphosis that he needed to prove to Vader that he was willing to kill Obi-Wan, you know, that like, he, he's like, okay, go ahead, kill me then. And then he moves, he moves on to this other place. By the way, people who say this isn't a good lightsaber fight can go fuck themselves. It's brilliant. It's just different. It does seem like Darth from Rogue One would make mincemeat. I don't think Darth wants to kill him right away, though, is the whole point. There it is. I shall become more powerful than you can imagine. Yeah, I think it's very direct, like you said, man, because he'll become a force ghost and advise him while he studies with Yoda. I agree with you. And I think that was ultimately the plan that he was waiting for. So he, like, I think there's certain, um, you know, climaxes that he knew and certain, like, cusps that he w- expected would happen. How they got there in the end, wasn't necessarily like that clear. Here it comes. So I, I think he plans. He's still fighting though. Is the thing he's waiting I for think, Luke. He's fighting until he, Luke gets there. It's right. so brilliant. Uh, it's brilliant. He wants Luke to see it. Yep. He looks at Luke and then he dies. Yep. He's just holding time. I can't believe they made Carrie he, Fisher he, do a thing with her hair. It's ridiculous. He almost salutes him. Oh, you mean the Cinnabon twist? Yeah, the Cinnabons. I think he looks at Luke. No, he does. He almost salutes him. He looks right at him. Dude, this is a great fight. I, why do people think this is not a good fight? This is a great, this is a great fight. Stormtroopers leave. I mean, the staging in this movie is ludicrous. You know, I mean, you guys have to realize what this, this is like an indie movie in 1977. What they're doing, right? He sees That's Luke right now. I can't I believe show, it. I need to show your son what you've become. Dude, I'm telling you, from the beginning of the movie, and maybe earlier, Obi-Wan saw this path, at least as a possibility. I really believe that. I love how Vader's confused by that. He let Luke's family die, and he did that for the exact same reason. I'm telling you. Anybody know what happens to Obi-Wan's lightsaber? That's a great question. Maybe Ray gets in episode nine somehow. She doubles it up like Ahsoka saw. By the way, Lu- Han is not wrong to not mourn over the old man. They have too much to worry about. He doesn't have a connection to him. Some people thinks he's heartless. I mean, Chewie's giving him a hard time here, but 
Han does the exact right thing. Luke, you know, is not even in control. Like, Han at heart is a scoundrel, first of all, and he's a self-preserving person. So he doesn't give a, he's happy they're all on board because he cares about them at this point. But, yeah. you know, he's getting the fuck out of there. He knows that dude's dead. He's also a soldier. He's seen people die. Do you know the look that Cassian has when he decides not to shoot Galen, but then sees Galen get killed? That that's sort of the the look that Han has, where Han was fine with the old guy dying until he died, and then was like, "Fuck!" But I have to keep moving. And then he's like, "Hey, kid, you know, get your shit together. We're not out of this. Get your guns." Okay, so this f- filming here of the fighting of the Tie Fighters with the turrets on top and bottom. In case you guys are wondering, there's one on top, one on bottom has been imitated by everybody from Avatar to The Matrix to pretty much any science fiction epic you can think of has imitated these shots in this uh, environment. Thoughts, Amy? I mean, it looks like the best video game ever. It, they're just absolutely incredible. Like, I want to hop in there and just, like, take my own shots. At, like, look at that. Look at that. I want to go shoot TIE Fighters. Very cool. We get the full Rebel theme from beginning to end. We haven't even met the Rebels 1977, yet. <laughs> and they created this. Like, I would play that video game. Like, imagine that. Like, it's like that game Afterburner when we were kids, only yeah. uh, as if you're in the Millennium Falcon. And Oh, that would have been fun. All right, so you know how I talked about the moment I fell in love with Jenner, so even though I wasn't going to talk about it? Uh-huh. Do you want to know the moment I fell in love with Princess Leia? This one? Beginning of Empire Strikes Back. When they're evacuating and Han Solo is saying he's going to leave for good. And she's wearing that like white, all-white down jacket, pants thing with the little insignia. Hair looking great. And she looks at Han with such disgust and disapproval and just looks away with no words. I was like, that's it. Have you seen that they're selling those jackets? I told you I want the Andor jacket immediately. Yeah. They're actually pretty cool. They're quietly awesome. Look at the way they're moving this stuff around. Like, even Alien wasn't doing this. This is crazy. And it was incredible that, like, it was so believable it's so believable, and it's this little, like, wow, look at that. And their explosions are spectacular. I don't know how they did that in 1977. I honestly don't know. Aww. Oh, that's fun. Comic relief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, the power of Star Wars, the power of Star Wars is that Chewbacca and Lando can sell $200 million of tickets for a weekend without even Han Solo. That's how powerful this universe is. Cartoon moth talker. We should looks, do, like, screen clips and, like... Look, the only problem with the CGI was it was shiny. They should have pulled back on the brightness a little bit. That's literally the only problem. Honestly, if you don't tell people, like, they won't know this. Well, you no didn't way. originally either. I told so, you. Yeah. I didn't know it was the first time through. Yeah. Look at Carrie Fisher's acting here, though, by the way. 19 years old, you know, one year of acting school, is in London, acting with these, you know, Harrison Ford, who's a legend, Luke Skywalker, who would become an icon. Look how calm she is. She's not intimidated by him whatsoever, even in this movie. Not even a little bit. I was going to say, I think her eyes are beautiful. 
all the things that Carrie Fisher despised about Harrison Ford and their relationship comes out in this performance. I I know there's no proof of that, but I'm telling you, read the source material. She's just disgusted with how juvenile he is, despite how old he is. <laughs> he's pouting and overacting right now. Look at him. He's like, <laughs> fuck her. I told you Kazdan wrote the solo movie, right? Yeah. And that, that was a condition of him writing Force Awakens? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were telling me about that. Okay. Well, the listeners can get it. This is their this is good. guy's moment. He's like, I got a bond, yeah. Oh, the Falcon looks so great in the new movie. So we're going to get to watch, like, how he wins the Falcon, right? Yeah, but Lando's still going to fly it, I think, is the point. Because at first, Harrison Ford, um, Han Solo won't know how to. Okay, here's Rogue One, baby. The guy in the tower. Oh, yeah. Woo-hoo! Oh, the, the Yavin Temple right from Rogue One. I love it. Is it a game of Sabacc? Is that what happens? Yeah, that's the all-in game of Sabacc car game that we see in the various commercials and trailers. Yeah, Although you shouldn't watch the trailers or commercials, man, honestly. I don't, I don't, I don't. Let it be a birthday surprise to you. They haven't given away anything major, but I still would rather you get it as fresh as possible. Well, just from like Catalyst and Bloodlines and like they just talk about Sabacc. Well, there's funny, there's a clip where it's, it's the early part of the card game where they're not betting much and he shows... Chewy the cards and Chewy's just like <laughs> This is incredible tech. Look at that. Look at the Death Star. Which is basically how we see it in Rogue One. Or the slightly more holographic version of that. Here we go. CGI Tarkin. <laughs> and Darth Vader looks like a football player. Look at his shoulders. <laughs> yeah. A little, little chub. Oh man. Planet. So this is the problem with episode seven, right? Is that episode seven is exactly this conclusion with them getting blown up by what's just generally a dying Death Star coming after the rebel planet and sending X-Wings in to blow up the weak spot, right? I mean, that's exactly the end of both movies. I was just thinking about, like, about where they were coming from and where they are and, like, this is what the rebellion, like they, they look pretty organized. You know, sometimes I feel like the rebellion just from looking at this room, they, you know, they all look like they have the same suits and everything. Like I imagined it like more. Okay. Wait, wait, hold on. You see the shot of the droids with the little holographic walls behind them here with Luke. That is the set where they did the Mun Mothma, Jimmy Smith, Jin Erso scene in rebels. Oh, in the beginning when they're like... That's the room. Up. It's just next door to this room. Yeah, that's why the oh walls look God. exactly like that. Yeah. That's awesome. So it's like the same, like... That's the... We have reason to believe your father is critical in the development of the super weapon. Or we could send you back. God, I'm a nerd. He yes. wasn't my favorite. I wish, uh, I wish somebody else was giving that speech. Also, has anyone ever said May the Force be with us other than Jin Erso, the Rogue One crew? No. Doesn't, wait, wait, what does Obi-Wan say? When he leaves? The Force be, will be with you always. The Force will be with you always, right? That's been said. God, it looks just like Tarkin. 
Actually, the profile from the side of Tarkin is when he looks the most different. I th- There's the Y-Wing. Ugh. Tarkin just, like, eats lemons for breakfast. So, do you, uh, do you remember, Simmy? I, I asked you, did you think that the hanger here looked the same as the one in Rogue One? And you were like, yeah, basically, just better filming and lighting, essentially. I think you were totally right on that point. Yeah, that's the other thing they did. They didn't necessarily change a lot. They just made a few things a little bit better. You know, they were like, well, if we knew we could do this 30 years ago, we would have done it. You know, yeah. But you see how like behind Han and the Y-Wing, it's just black, for example. Yeah, they're just trying to show depth. Like essentially all they did was make that wall and light it in the in Rogue One. But the space itself is the same. They just lit the background as they they couldn't afford to in 1977. Right. They, they, They wanted you again to like leave it to your imagination in terms of how big this hangar is and how many other ships there are and like what's behind that curtain. Versus now they could actually make that, they could get the space and have a warehouse and, like, you know, show the hangar deck, you know, and show the, all the walls and everything. By the way, the Black Panther movie did this exact move with M'Baku from the, the ape tribe who said he wouldn't help, and then the last minute he comes to help Black Panther. Uh, but uh, I, I want to go back to the beginning, man, because we do have the final battle, and it's huge and glorious, but I, I want to ask again, what ultimately made you a Han guy as opposed to a Luke guy or whatever? Just he's a rogue, you know? Like, he's always on his own. And, I mean, it also was... Because, keep in mind, I saw the Empire Strikes Back and Star Wars pretty close together because of how old I am, you know? Um so, and like in terms of watching them come out and everything. So you, you could see the evolution of the character, even in this, that he becomes a hero. Like originally it was about the money. And in the end, it's about doing the right thing and being a good guy. Um, and again, Luke just seems like whinier. So when my brother was like, I'm, I'm Luke, I'm the Jedi. I'm like, fine, I'll be Han. I'm the scoundrel. Like, I'm, I'm fine. I was the younger brother. I didn't have a choice, but I was... I was really happy with that choice. And then so like that led me to being more kind of a Han guy, like always admiring the Jedis and always being interested in like the lore and all of that stuff as a separate thing. But in terms of like, who do I see myself as or like, who do I want to play as as a kid? Like I'm Han, like, come on, who are we kidding? I'm a scoundrel as well. No, you're not. You'd like to be, but you're not. <laughs> right. I could My ask your wife myself. right now, and she'd be like, no, nah, he's not. Your fiance. The projection, the projection of myself. Yeah, well, I think that's the difference. Yeah, if you want to see something different or the same. Um, I, can, I be, can I be super honest and real about myself? This is going to be a real bizzle moment right here. Preach. Is, I, I, I always wanted to be Luke from Return of the Jedi, and I still do, and don't feel like I can, because I can understand the level of like intellectual ideas that he's dealing with and philosophical ideas, but that level of calmness, patience, and purpose is I, I you know I don't know if I'll ever feel that to be honest with you. Like it's it's hard to imagine. Um, I mean, that's a crazy instinct for anyone to like even experience. But at that point, he'd been through a lot. Too. Oh, here's the set. Here it is. This is it. Right. This is the this Rogue is One this, set. This is where oh. they were. Yeah, this is where they were quizzing her. You're all rebels, aren't you? Oh, 
Dude, I'm telling you, Felicity Jones is going to win Academy Award this year. We're going to be so pumped. You will, you cannot believe, man. Oh, man. RBJ, RBG. Oh, yeah, it's going to be so good. Here we go. The X-Wing. So I don't know where the new stuff and the old stuff ends and begins, you know? It's hard. It meshes in. You're right. So we know we saw we saw Red Team we saw Red Squad in um Rogue One. Gold team leader, red team leader, blue team leader. So a good number of these people survived Rogue One and were there, which is great. I love all the different designs of the helmets and I love all the different R2 R2 D2s. Dude, if you're ever driving in a car to get to like a construction area and it's like really narrow cones, you start feeling like you're in the Death Star. You know what I mean? I'm like, I totally feel like I'm in the Death Star. These like narrow construction zones. I'm like, I can do this. I can do this. My car is never makes me feel like I'm in an excellent. <laughs> Here's the but cannons. Oh, we see that in Battlestar. Oh, I got to ask you before the end of this movie, man. We'll have to get a longer Battlestar reaction from you at some point. You're in mid-season three. You have to admit, the kinetics of the, the fights in Battlestar, space fights, are pretty great. I do I do like uh, the world of that they've created in terms of the way they jump and how they use that their advantage mm. in, in fights. And then uh, even the cat fights with the raptors and things like that are pretty cool. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. No, they've, they've done a good job. Just the real physics of it, of them sliding sideways and stuff like that, which is how you would fight in real life. But this looks more like World War II fighting, which is pretty thrilling. You know, it just dawned on me. You were talking about, you said Luke, once he projects himself like that, he dies. You know what I mean? Uh, or goes on to that world in between. It just dawned on me that like Vader like projects, you know, choking someone through like uh, a hollow a couple times, doesn't he? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just saying the power to project that. You know I what, find, man? I find similar to that of projecting that... your entire self. Dude, you just blew my mind. Because that, what you just brought up. The power of the dark side. Well, you think of how Ray and Kylo were connecting over space. It seems so difficult, but you're right. That's an example of it, basically. And, there, and Snoke was causing that projection with them i can't i'm sorry i just can't get over they filmed the rogue one set in that set it's crazy it's great well i mean i think that's the this they they dabbed it with the right amount they buttered it with the right amount of nostalgia so no matter what you know we'd all you know like all that grease and it would go down easy you know but yeah Uh, so we're gonna do backwards canon because that's how it's met and we're gonna do canon in their timeline which is Jyn Erso's dad, Galen Erso, put in the flaw in the Death Star that Luke's going to blow up in a couple minutes. So how do we feel about that while we're watching this? Uh, you know, many people died for this information. And, you know, now we know who those people are. And we know, oh, you know, the, the entire lineage the same of that, set. that little information that little information disc that was slid into R2-D2, we know it, where it came from and like what the pain it came from to get all that information. And now they know exactly what to do to destroy the Death Star. It's incredible. He's drawing on the board. I, this is so great. Oh, my God. And keep in mind, this is probably like a week at most after Rogue One. At most. 
Can we put it in perspective? So I know uh, it might like be tough for some of you guys out there who are a little younger to understand well, they can like, deal with it. how good this is. But this is so, so obviously there are no cell phones too. at this point. Yeah, there's no even like car phones at this point. There are barely walkie talkies and phones, rotary phones. Color TVs Which is way are cooler. not standard. Here we go. Oh, right into the trench. Sorry, man. That was glorious. First person camera into the trench. It was not standard for all homes to have a TV Woo! in 1977. Gold 5 in the Y-Wings. Ugh. Why don't they invent new ships in Star Wars? Come on, guys. This guy was in Rogue One, obviously. Yeah. The targeting is great. It goes right into switch to targeting. But it's so practical. The thing is, you could argue we should still be using targeting computers like that. That's what's the crazy thing. He looks a little old to be a fighter. Well, there were some old fat guys in Rogue One. You know, people fighting for the rebellion. Fucking Vader gets into it. I forgot about this shit. So Vader has his own. So the, okay, so tie. Vader's tie advanced. And my nerdy X-Wing game is so so powerful and so maneuverable, you would not believe it. He is very powerful. Look at that. Oh, he's going to fuck shit up right now, Vader. You have to admit, watching this scene just makes you want to watch Return of the Jedi. It makes me want to watch, like, both of them, but I have to go to work tomorrow. No, 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 I mean just the space battle. Oh, right. It looks amazing, but Return of the Jedi, you know, Space Battle is like orgasmic. Yep, there it is. He's such a Nazi. Fuck you, Tarkin. You fucked with Krennic. (laughs) Evacuate? He's so cocky. Your arrogance. Well, he he co-opted Krennic's entire project. It's interesting to think with Krennic at the wheel whether he would have been more suspicious about this. I don't know. Oh, here they go. X formations. That looks great. The side shot right there. You ne- you'll see anything as good this good in modern sci-fi movies. Sorry, guys. It doesn't happen. Where's Wedge? Wedge, my favorite character growing up. Wedge and Briggs. Well, because Wedge in Return of the Jedi and Empire is a boss. Oh, that's awesome. Wedge is the only side character to be in and survive all three movies. I have trouble commentating on some of this stuff like this right now because it's like, it's so like... So did you play the TIE Fighter and X-Wing computer games in the 90s? I did not. They were like flight simulators. You used like an advanced joystick, but it was in space and you... Fly all these ships. It was spectacular. I kind of wish I did. I did not have cable growing up. I didn't have... I only had Nintendo and Game yeah. Gear. See, my parents let me have a computer, but not any consoles, so... Whoa! Look at that room. The thing is, I don't know how Gareth Edwards got the lighting that there's there in the Rebel War Room. I don't understand how they repeat that. It seems impossible. Look at this. This is How great. does he know it's cover for 
that's Wedge. Okay, can I ask you a really fucking nerdy force question? Yes. So when Luke turns up his targeting computer and shoots the torpedo and it happens to hit the right place coming up, is it just the aiming of it or is it the physical torpedo moving or some version of both that he uses the force on? I think uh, I think when you shoot missiles, like it's like a certain precision, you know, in general, when you're, if you're a fighter. But he could move the missile. He could shoot the missile in the general direction and use the force to direct it. Um, I don't think he has as much leeway with this in terms of where this shot is because it's not a moving target. Isn't it like a stable target? So if you shoot a... No, no, what I'm saying is you could aim a physical torpedo in a direction, shoot the torpedo, and then while it's moving towards that destination, move the trajectory of the torpedo. Oh, I see what you're saying. Uh, Like Neo with bullets. Yeah, I feel like... Like Neo, bullets, uh, blah, 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 I hold my hand up, bullets fall. I feel like this shot needs to be really precise, and that's what the the little... All right. that, that's there. That's how I. As a force user, I would it. think it would be easier to control it once it was shot. But I'm I'm open to either either. Up oh, there's the rebel. Board. He also might not Wedge. know how to do that at this point. So Wedge leaves, but he becomes more and more of a hero. And dude, this is ultimately. Uh, I'm sorry, Simi. This will be my last sidebar here. Is I mean, Luke's about to do it. Is that I've always loved the rebellion. I've loved Luke in the Force. I love Han and the scum and villainy stuff. But ultimately, I love the rebellion, which explains what and now why I love uh, Princess Leia so much, as well as Jin and the rebellion in Rogue One so much. Is I'm a rebel guy. Like that's the thing I am most interested in. God, Vader's so fucking evil. There's CGI Tarkin. <laughs> oh, my my viewers are going to hate me. They're going to give me such shit for that. Hey, viewer, just so you know, <laughs> we talked about not doing this, so we're trying. Yeah. So in our meeting, we said, <laughs> let's not do that. On a few things... And so maybe we've done them now. But that's comes. okay. But that's okay. Oh, here it comes. Force is strong God, with Vader this gets one. in his own fucking time. So do you think he knows that it's vulnerable. his son? Do you think he knows it's his son right now? Um, I think he has a feeling about it. He feels weird about it because he definitely has that thing where he like pulls out like twenty minutes ago where he like he's like he feels Obi Wan and then he kind of feels something else, you know. Wow, he is after. He's right there. Can I bring in one more uh, Rogue One reference, even though I said I wasn't going to make another one? Okay. Um, is um, they really could use those soldiers right now. <laughs> That's my only thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> damn, it's too <laughs> bad they all died. They kind of could use them right now. <laughs> It was a very small amount of rela- left to you know yeah. spark the rebellion. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Oh, wow. What? Why don't we see a Bail Bail Organa? Oh, no, he's on Alderaan. That's why. He's not with us. George Lucas must be praying to his ancestors that he decide not to kill Darth Vader at the end of this movie. I always thought it was a weird shot because you know how it goes up and then in? 
Yeah, but you know what I mean. Like, he could have killed him, and then he would be in big trouble. The thing is, we we haven't even been talking over it, is the overacting that happens in the movie. It doesn't even matter because everything else that's going on is so glorious. So Vader survives because he was in his Tide Fighter, uh, and here's the, all right. The look celebration. at look at the interaction between Luke and Leia here. Let's just just pay attention. That's very brother sister, I think. What? Oh, they almost kissed, and then this. Yeah, maybe not. Or maybe there wasn't, and, and then she jumps, jumps in and grabs Han. Oh, poor Archie D2. Again, no one really, you know, other than Uncle Owen, you know, like, no one really dies, you know? Like, Obi-Wan goes on purposefully. Like, that's, like, in the plan. And, uh... You know, you don't even see too much darkness. and like, They've that's what, killed that's what more major characters in the new movies than all the previous movies. Right, right, right. And it's just so dark. Mm-hmm. And here's the uh, kind of the bronze medals. Look at her. That necklace. Oh, the force theme is so good. That jacket, though. I get so pumped up when I hear the force theme, and I've heard it literally a thousand times. This is so... Look, I mean... I'm sorry. I don't care what the standards of beauty that change. For 19 years old, Carrie Fisher, one of the most beautiful people to have ever existed, and obviously inside we know she's spectacularly beautiful. Uh, see, she's already still flirting with Han. Oh, yes. They knew. They definitely... I mean, Lawrence Kasdan, man, he was inspired by that. That was the whole point of his script. I mean, the Yoda and Luke stuff was almost an afterthought, which makes it even more spectacular. The Luke, the Han Leo is what really inspired Kasdan. Oh, and R2-D2 survived because he's a robot. And we got BB-8, who's basically the new R2-D2. <laughs> That's why I love Chopper, because he's so I was just going to say Sophie's yeah. choice, BB-8 or Chopper. No, Chopper. Chopper's yeah. so angry and aggressive. Yay! Chopper's funny. Yeah, BB-8's cute. You know, that's it. And loyal. And that's there it, it folks. There it is. Written and directed by. Wow. I feel like I sound like an idiot on that podcast. I hope you said some smarts things, because... I'm not I'm not confident with my performance there. I think you were saying smart things in between me stopping you from saying smart things. <laughs> you know, um, it's always a work in progress. It's always well, a work I in think progress. the mo- it, the movie kind of lulls you to sleep a little bit in the sense of like it moves slowly on the surface, but there's so much character stuff going on at the same time. You know, it's hard to know like what happens until like go back into it and listen to it you know i just for me empire and return of the jedi are timeless whereas this does feel you know for monetary reasons and other reasons very much of its time yeah yeah i just think the sci-fi is incredible because like it's still just like 
It's if great. It was, yeah, that, I mean that's where I where I think of the timelessness. Like, um, but there's some slow points. You know, the other thing that's like lulls me to sleep in general about some of these movies sometimes is that like when you know it word for word, your brain starts to kind of shut down. Like in terms of. Well, right, which is why I kept taking us on far-flung tangents, because everyone who's watching this, including us, knows everything word for word. So, right. Being like, oh, that was a cute line from Han. It's like, yeah, okay, we all, you know, we all get it. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was more like doing a, um, hmm, like a music commentary or like a, uh, uh, like a philosophical talk with some stimulus in the background. I think we dug into like some good points on it, and we and, did, and, and stayed on topic because the movie. No, makes it's a compliment. I'm saying we shouldn't have gotten yeah. too hung up in the little details because everyone knows those details. Even the people we hate who love only this movie and nothing else, for example. Right. You know what can we say? They they know the movie. Right. Uh, look, I think I think it was fun. I think it was fun. I had a really good time. Uh, I could talk about this movie for hours. So, so let's let's finish on the big things to come out of this movie, right? So the big things come out: a, Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford have ridiculous chemistry and are becoming increasingly great actors. B, uh, Luke is growing up and get becoming less and less annoying and more of a lovable hero. Like they they transform, they they make him age. You know, he gets experience. He loses a friend, loses his, his aunt and uncle, and he's on his own, and he's he's managing, managing pretty pretty well. Well, you know who the you know who the Luke is of our current time, of course, is Captain America, and what they share is a deep sense of love for people and protection for people, but they're also straight ahead enough in terms of being straight arrows of never compromising and, and protecting people, even if it's stupid, right? I mean, that's what's great about Luke and Cap, is they make some stupid-ass decisions for ideological reasons, and that's why I love them. Right, right. And in the end, you know, well, I don't, I don't know what happens in Infinity War, but, you know, Cap... Uh, no, but you I'm not, I'm not giving away any spoilers. I'm just talking about all the movies <laughs> you've seen up to this point with right, Cap. Right, I mean, right. in Civil War, he really, they, you know, they end up going on the run and being criminals because he refuses to compromise on stuff. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that separates them is the experience, and that's what Luke is, you know, gaining. And so, like, in The Jet, in Last Jedi, you know, he's more, uh, you know, a, a proven general and, and a worn hero and, and, and had his ups and downs and made... Failure, yes, failure. You know, which which can inevitably lead to great success. I mean, that's what uh, uh, I think it was. Michael Jordan said something like, "You know, why why did I win so much? Is because I lost so much before. You know, that like it was so painful to ever lose again. I kept learning how to win and learning how to win. So success is built from some of those failure and some of that like experience, and and that's what Luke." You saw Luke gain a ton in like this 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 short, very very short he, short time. He goes from you know wanting to be a cadet in the in the in the rebellion to uh, you know becoming a hero in a, in a matter of like you know a week. You know what's the time lapse in this? Do they even like? You mean like, a cadet in the Empire? 
Right, sorry, Canada and the Empire, excuse yeah. me. Yeah. Correct, correct, sorry. No, no. Dude, the new Han Solo movie almost definitively starts with flashback shots of him fighting for the Empire and, and then quitting, I think, is what happens. Well, they referenced that in some of the trailers. Yeah. It was like I was... It would make sense. I was kicked out sense. of the thing because yeah, I had a brain. I was yeah. kicked out of the academy because I had a brain. Yeah, I don't know. A New Hope is just like... It's a great nostalgia visit for me. I can't wait to show my nephews who are like two and a half you know as soon as possible three and a half four years old whatever i convince my sister basically i'd show it to them now if i could i would i honestly don't think it would damage a two and a half year old mind it'd be intense but i don't think it would damage their mind but my sister won't do it that's funny my goddaughter is four and a half now and so we raised her watching those and she's a big vader fan Mm. Uh, but now that she's older we don't really put them on anymore because she's more you know there's more questions and stuff so, so now she's it's like you're right wait actually. wait, wait. what's she seen she's seen them all um, already a four and a half wow she saw them but she saw them when she they, when she was okay. like younger like okay. at the age of you're saying so you're kind of not wrong. i would like to trust me my sister's over super protective which i appreciate i would love to show it to them now but, but then when they're four or five you can't yeah. do it because it will give them nightmares and then you yeah. watch you give it to them again when they're like nine i think yeah eight. i don't know says the guy with no kids I sorry just, hey yeah. hey we're not we're not gonna tell anybody how to parent you all right, mm-hmm. it's not what we do. No helicopters, no rule books. That's not what we do. Yeah, I mean, you know, I watch Empire and Return of the Jedi way more than the original. It's just what happens. I think I watch Return of the Jedi the most. Um, well, now I watch Rogue One and of Force Awakens. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, it was sort of a bizarre film commentary, but honestly. Still way more interesting. I mean, way more interesting and all over the place than my commentary I did a couple years ago. So I do appreciate it. Um, so yeah, really quickly, man. Final thoughts on Star Wars A New Hope Episode 4 and going into Han Solo, which is coming up in a couple weeks on your birthday. I am ecstatic of the continuation of all these movies. And I, I'm really just in constant awe of how they keep releasing them. So I'm really excited that Solo's coming out so soon, uh, you know, after uh, the last one. So I can't wait to see it. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching it with you. And uh, hopefully, you know, in in terms of New Hope, it's just uh, there's always something else that grabs my eye and there's always something else that really makes me think a little bit. And, 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 And watching it with you this time made me, uh, you know, look at it from different directions, question Obi-Wan's intentions. Like, I always looked at him as, like, this pure priest-like person. Uh, but now, um, you know, what needed to happen, who needs to die to uh, put Luke on this pad, it was, it was really a cool way to to look at it and watch it. So thank you. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, awesome. man, no, I appreciate you. I appreciate you, what you said. I appreciate you being here. And I guess I'll leave everybody and we'll close off the podcast with what you were talking about with Obi-Wan is, is it better to ignorantly do the right thing that leads to the bad result? Or is it better to know that you're doing something somewhat bad to lead to a much greater result? I guess another way of saying that is, do the ends justify the means? And so 
I have to look at whether Obi-Wan's ends justify the means, I think, in this movie, which is really interesting to me. So thank you all so much. Thank you, Simi. This was a great idea and a great podcast. I'm sure we'll be coming back at you with more commentaries and other podcasts soon. Check me out at Bizzlecast.com. You can check me out Bizzlecast on Facebook, Bizzlecast81 on Twitter, Bizzlecast on Twitch, and so forth. Simi doesn't do the social media thing, so you'll just have to listen to him here. So thanks again, Simi. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Until next time. May the force be with you. Appreciate it. Thank you all. May the force be with you. Rebellions are built on hope, and we are out.